blood, guts, and glory. Let the war games begin. Podcast, the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. I am your host, the godly gooker, Matthew Allen, who's with me. And I am the under potter, T.L. Foster. <laughs> oh no, oh no, he just sat back up. Is that the under potter's music? It's the Eggman. I'm gonna, sh- I'm gonna shave my eyebrows, and my- oh, I'm already bald, but I'm gonna shave my eyebrows and my beard and be the Eggman. <laughs> I was like, damn, the Eggman, but shit, it was, I, I mean, I was going to come in there and just be bald. <laughs> I, I I will never get over the fact that not only is Undertaker, like, Texan, like, he is 100% Southern drawl Texan, and that's always great. To, like, it's, because it, it's just weird, like, he's like this goth icon, he's the Undertaker, and he sounds like this, but then... He's just like, well, shit, uh, I, I was just like, well, if they, I, I got to be the Eggman. I'm, I'm just going to be the Eggman. <laughs> it does make all those stories about him being like the locker room judge, you know, for wrestler's court and stuff. Just like put him in a whole different light, you know, like, well, what a do to you then? Okay, I see how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a small town wrestler from Victor- from Houston, Texas, but <laughs> as, he pulls his, as he pulls his suspenders. Right, they don't call me Mean Mark for nothing. <laughs> uh, please, Mean Mark is my dad. Is my pa? My name is uh, a Sweet Mean Mark Calloway. <laughs> <laughs> now that that uh, that new Stone Cold show, like like almost everything Stone Cold does, man, uh, he's got the Midas touch. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, it was interesting to me because it was um, this is all this is the uh, Broken Skull. Uh, sessions that he's doing on the WWE Network. It was interesting to me because of the fact that, you know, Taker doesn't really talk a lot. So this was really cool to see Taker do the whole, you know, actual, hey, let me tell you about when I was starting wrestling. Like, it, it's very interesting. You should definitely check it out. Yeah, if anything, to me, it's almost that's kind of the indicator. Like, all right, this time he really is on his way out. Because you don't break kayfabe like that. Like he was, if anyone was maintaining kayfabe, it was Undertaker. And yeah, you don't you don't break it until you're coming to the end of your career. And so it's like, all right. And I think you know from that interview, it's looking like he's he's looking for that one one last WrestleMania match. I I think he was trying the past few, but just the matches did not live up to expectations. Some were partially you know on him because his body just couldn't go like it used to but uh some of the time it was on this competition yeah i mean uh, the roman reigns thing to me was the perfect capper it's just that th- the fans huge quotation mark weren't huge on roman reigns and i i thought that was a perfect uh way of ending the whole thing with the undertaker that's just me yeah 
All right, we got the post Survivor Series episode, which also means it's post Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving, TL? Uh, it was great. Did a little small Thanksgiving. Um, sat at home, uh, had some food, watched the greatest collegiate team in the state of Alabama take down <laughs> the juggernaut. So go ahead, Matt. I want you to go ahead and 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 take your shot at Auburn, but. I want you to realize we did the thing that nobody... You know what we did? We went in like CM Punk and Money in the Bank 2013. And, or 2014. Whichever one, the one with John Cena. And we took out John Cena. Yeah. We took the title away from John Cena. There is no more Alabama in the National Championship. In the- so, you, you know the reason that I always give you grief and say roll tide i'm a dude i'm a trojan i went to usc i, I love my trojans but it's because my grandfather was an Al- there he's from alabama my great my whole family's from alabama actually and my grandfather so he he was a he was an alabama fan so that's why i do that but you and i are actually in a very similar situation now because you have not been happy with your head coach have you i'm i am still not happy with my head coach and i am in a catch-22 the the frustrating thing about Auburn is we have not been blown out in any game. Realistically, if we had any kind of offensive set or if they did what they did against Alabama this week and decided to run the ball, we could have beaten LSU. We could have beaten Florida. We could have beaten Georgia. Like, those are our three losses. If we beat any of those teams, we're, in, we're like, in playoff talk. Like, we're in the... Yeah. If, if, if something if something screwy happens... They should be in the playoffs. Like we're we're in those hot. Well, yeah, that's the thing. USC, if if they didn't lose to BYU this year, and if they didn't lose to a, what ended up being a bad Washington team, we would have gone to the Pac-12 championship game, and we'd be playing hard. Anyway, this is a wrestling show, not a football show. Although TL and I were both sad because our Niners just lost to the Raven. Dude, that Raven team is insanely good. Like I would be mad, <sighs> but. The Patriots also lost, so we still have the best record in the NFL. It's tied with three teams, but we still yeah. have the best record well, but, in the NFL. But the thing, by losing today in our division, like because we've lost to Seattle, we automatically lose the tiebreaker to them. So, we, But we play yeah, them again at the end of the season, which that is we'll now a playoff game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go Niners. Uh, go Trojans. And... Go Auburn, flying the Tigers. Uh, anyway, um, we have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, this is a regular episode appearing in the free feed. We are going to be reviewing Survivor Series 2019. We will be reviewing War Games! War Games! War Games! Talking about the War Games! That's exciting! Or I should say NXT TakeOver. War Games! War Games! 2019. Um, by the way. You know I'm totally putting William Regal in for all of those, like I did uh, for the preview episode, which you might have heard if you are a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash laser time. Subscribe at the $5 or more level per month, and you will get access to our exclusive previews of the big four pay-per-views every year. Uh, But this is a regular episode, so as we like to do, we'll be starting with our new segment that we call Around the Wrestling World News. All right, so TL, kick us off here. What do we got? First up. All right, so the first thing is, fuck Corey Graves. I'm not even going to do like a, a cute like intro. Uh, Corey <laughs> Graves sucks and should get off Twitter. Um, 
This is coming off the heels of Corey Graves during NXT TakeOver War Games, um, sending out a tweet um, admonishing um, Mauro Ronaldo, uh basically saying, you know, saying like, oh, well, there's a WWE Hall of Famer and there's an ROH former world champion. Maybe people would like to hear their input. Um, and it really triggered Mauro Ronaldo. Mauro Ronaldo is someone who is very famously dealt with depression and you know i i don't want to say incorrectly i think bipolarism is the other thing that i think he does have i think he's on the record as saying he has bipolar disorder yeah yeah um and it put him in a in a it put him in a distressive state uh to the point where he as of right now the reports are he's supposed to be coming back on television this week but as of right now he has been off of the internet and also off of television um and WWE first kind of wrote it off by saying that Mauro Ronaldo had blew out his voice because he was so excited at TakeOver. But then it actually came out from people um, like Dave Meltzer and a lot of the other dirt sheets that it was in regards to Corey Graves' tweet. And uh, Corey yeah. Graves' first, uh, his first response was to get very defensive and go after both Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez of Wrestling Observer, um, saying that they should give him a call. Um, and then on his podcast, After the Bell, uh, Corey Graves gave this apology. Huge quotation marks. <clears throat> What's up, everybody? Welcome to After the Bell. I am Corey Graves. A ton to get into this week, as we do every week. But before we go any further, on a personal note, I need to address something. This past Saturday, during TakeOver War Games event, I sent out a tweet. It was an unpopular opinion, opinion, as I often do, with the intention of just stirring up a little controversy. Maybe have something fun to talk about on TV or here on the show. It was maybe not the most professional way to go about things, and it was never meant to offend or disrespect or disparage anyone. That was never my intention. If it was taken as such, I apologize deeply. That was not my intention. I would never intentionally cause anyone undue stress, especially co-workers, so I apologize. Matt, this seems like Triple H was threatening to kick his ass unless he apologized, and he gave <laughs> up the most weak sauce non-apology. Well, I'm sorry you're offended apology. That was, yeah, that was a mixed apology for sure. There was certainly an element of, I'm sorry if I offended anyone, which as we all know, that's not a real apology. I mean, we also have to remember he has people there at WWE which can help with messaging, and so I'm sure that wasn't just Corey Graves writing that by himself. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. it might have been, but uh, chances are some people looked at and approved that. Um, Let's take a step back. So before the pay-per-view, I remember seeing a tweet from Morrow, and I think the tweet was something like, I'm trying not to go to a dark place or like depression's creeping in or it might, that might've been after right, right after but it was, it, no, it was before it was before it, it was, was before, before the show in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was, you know, already kind of fighting off those demons. Let's say here's, here's my, my quick take on the whole situation is I think Corey Graves criticism itself. It's fair to have that criticism. Uh, Morrow, I, I think he's wrong. I think Morrow is the best part of any NXT show. If Morrow just was in there solo and didn't even have the other two, I'll be, I'd be perfectly happy. Um, but he's, he's entitled to his opinion. Where I think he went wrong is airing that opinion on Twitter publicly versus going directly to the man. And, you know, there are channels that he can take to just tell him the stuff like, hey, dude, you know, I've noticed you kind of talk over, you know, the, the other people there in the booth or whatever it is. But 
it's a bad look when you air this stuff publicly. Now, part of Corey Graves' thing is he's a dime store Bobby Heenan. He's trying to be a heel. And maybe that feeds into this and he's like, oh, I'm going to throw some stuff out there and troll and make some opinions that are going to get some reaction. And, And it certainly did that. I mean, that tweet got ratioed. But at the same time, it's like, knowing Morrow's history, well, even without knowing Morrow's history, I'll be honest, just like, if you have feedback like that, there, there's other ways to go about it, you know? If you don't want to go to Morrow directly, okay, maybe go, go to Triple H. Like, I know that sucks and that's political, but that's wrestling. Um, but airing it publicly is like the worst thing you can do, and I think it's it was super shitty. So my thing about this is, and this is not to diminish Morrow's mental state, but let's just pull it out of let's pull that out of it right now. Cause let's just mm-hmm. talk about totally. let's totally. just talk about the content of his his tweet because that's the conversation he wants us to have. I think it's really shitty to be upset that someone's excited about your product. And and that's the thing that is the most frustrating thing with WWE announcing. Like people give JR a lot of shit with AEW myself included because it seems like he's kind of out of whack with it but what's the great thing about AEW's announcing team it has been Tony Schiavone falling in love with this new wrestling like in real time and that's the appeal of Mara now he doesn't sound like you know he doesn't sound like uh, Michael Cole or um, Byron Saxon or anybody who's like watching the main product right he has this like genuine enthusiasm about the about the sport and that's what's really fun um it reminds me of when michael cole did the uk tournament and you could tell like oh michael cole has been waiting to be excited about wrestling and he got the ability to do so that you know but still it's a fair criticism and i mean you know i'm a guy who records a lot of podcasts every week and one of the things i try to you know as i'm editing is just to see like hey was i talking too much was i talking over guests was i talking over my co-hosts like cuz you know there are times where you want to lay out and you want to let the other people contribute but at the same time what we have to remember is maro is he is the play-by-play announcer he's not a color commentator he is going to be talking a majority of that time cuz he one of the things i love about him he calls matches like like sporting events you know he calls them like mma bouts like you know i could just i could close my eyes and just listen tomorrow i would know exactly what's going on and it paints a picture and that's one of the reasons he's so good and so again i think the criticism itself is wrong but or you know but he has every right to make a criticism just the way he handled it and then the apology or the half apology yeah I, i think it's a bad look it's weird because i would have told you up until fairly recently, Corey Graves was sort of this golden child with a lot of smarks. And they're like, oh, I love love Corey Graves, love what he contributes and all this. And now it's like he's lost almost all of that goodwill. And, and I mean, this is right after what, a few weeks after launching his podcast, which everyone was loving his podcast. So, right. yeah, it, it was a bad look. And I mean, this is something, again, like Corey Graves is a guy who I think this year a lot of people turn sour on him. But, I mean, he's dead. One, he has his bro- his whole brother thing where that's a whole another just weird, not to get to a full thing on it, but his brother, like, he plays, and I'm using that in huge quotations, like a MAGA character um, around Mexican, like around like the Mexican border territories um, and stuff, and that got a lot of heat, like, earlier this year. Corey Graves very famously cheated on his uh, now ex-wife. Uh, with Carmella 
you know, these are a lot of stuff like it, it, it hasn't been great. And he's done a lot to kind of, you know, to slowly his character. This sucks. And it was really bad that he did this. So, you know, as always, uh, of course, I know we wish Morrow a speedy recovery. Hopefully he is back on NXT. Um, but uh, I, we were both fans and this is just a, a, a terrible thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I love Marl. I've told him on Twitter and had him respond. I was like, dude, you're the best thing that's happened to NXT. And he's amazing. So, yeah, I echo those sentiments. Uh, Speaking of people who only give kind of half apologies, uh, this next news item, TL. Well, Matt, how tough are you? Uh, I'm tough enough. (laughs) Are you tougher than a man who could strap a bucket of fried chicken on the back? On his back and ride a motorcycle through Ethiopia. Mm, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm tougher than a two dollar two dollar steak, but not mm. tougher than that. So, yeah, that is so that that is what Jim Cornette said during an airing of NWA Power. Which okay, first of all, why did they leave that in? That show has editors. It is not a live show. It's taped and edited. I'm of two minds of this. One, okay, so. I don't know if you ever, like, if you know my my thing with Jim Cornette. I am actually a huge Jim Cornette fan to a degree, because I think he's a wrestling encyclopedia. Like, this guy knows about, like, the deep, deep history of wrestling. I always find that sure, very but, interesting. but so does Tommy Dreamer, but you don't deal with all the baggage. That's the thing. Um, the, <laughs> the, liking Jim Cornette has to do with a lot of his bullshit, and he's very um, antique is a good, uh, nice way of saying it. Yes. Uh, well, the way I'll say it is Jim Cornette seems to be trapped in the 80s. He loves 80s wrestling. He, he was a perfect fit with NWA Power because of, you know, he is, he seems, every time you, you hear him, he talks about 80s wrestlers. He doesn't like the new school, you know, doesn't like the flipping and flopping, uh, you know, um, uh, from AEW or any of that stuff. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I think what comes along with that is he seems kind of behind the times with certain things. And this is so he he went on uh, the following week. So, so, by the way, that statement that he made, that was about Trevor Murdoch. It got backlash and he resigned from NWA. And then, yeah, so NWA issued the following statement. Effective immediately, Jim Cornette has resigned from the National Wrestling Alliance as an announcer on the November 19th edition of NWA Power. Jim made remarks during a singles match between Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch that were both offensive and do not meet the high standards of decency and good faith of the National Wrestling Alliance. To ensure that such an error can never happen again, we've established new procedures of review for all NWA programming going forward. Really? It's editing. You should have been doing that to begin with. Anyway, I digress. We sincerely regret our failure in this regard. Now, so that was their response. So basically, Corny, he resigned. He went on the Jim Cornette Experience podcast, his his show. Uh, I think it was the Friday after this happened, mm-hmm. um, and he gave a quote unquote apology, but it was one of those apologies that, like, it was definitely a "I'm sorry if you were offended" apology, right. not not "I'm sorry for doing it." His explanation, and and it, it's an explanation that makes sense. Unfortunately, it's also an explanation that he can't hide behind. His explanation was. No, no, I wasn't making a racist black joke about fried chicken. I was making a starvation joke because in eight, in the 80s, we used to always make Ethiopia starvation jokes, which is like, yeah, 
that's not cool. But also, like, he, he his explanation for why he said bucket of fried chicken was, oh, that was funnier. It sounded funnier. That's a funny thing that someone to strap on their back. I'm like, out of every food imaginable, you pick the one that does have kind of that immediate racist connotation when you're talking about people of color. Like, nah, dude, like, sorry, that's, I don't buy that explanation. What about you? Why couldn't he say fried chicken? You know, why couldn't he say pizza in Chicago or New York? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, exactly. It's so antiquated. Now, there's been a lot of people who have defended Jim Cornette saying, oh, he said it in the 90s, and he said it in the 80s. And there is, like, footage of him saying it in WWE in the 90s. But, like, so I really hate that argument, Matt, and here's why. Being a black person in America, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, is kind of not racist, but very racial t- uh, coded. Yeah, dog whistles. Some, some, but that fried chicken is beyond like a code. No, 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 that no. is a that's explicit, right? But I mean, but my thing is like that, like there are things that are okay. Like people will be like, okay, we can't really say anything about it. And now that we were just living in the air where we can kind of say stuff about it, right? Like I don't know, it's really bad. But I'm with you. Dave Lagana doesn't get a pass on this. Like, he edits all those shows. Now, he's also been a person mm-hmm. who's come out who's who's very anti-SJW type, right? Like, he's like, oh, if you're going to be offended, blah, blah, blah. So, like, my thinking is he listened to it, he didn't see anything, and this is all reactionary. Yes. And people called him out. People called him out for that, by the way. They were like, well, wait, Dave, you, you've... It was weird that he came out making that statement, you know, like, oh, this is so offensive. It's like, no, you've said some similar stuff in the pa- right. in recent past. Also, a little research. You want to know the last mm-hmm. time there was a famine in Ethiopia, Matt? Was it the 80s? It was 1984 through 1985. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. So, it's, I mean, he, he made... He said it was a Starvin' Marvin joke, like like a reference to that South Park episode, which, again, it's like, yeah... People look back at those old South Park episodes and they're like, ah, that's offensive. He couldn't say that now. It was it was a thing of the time. And that's that's the whole thing is Jim Cornette. I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I like the stuff he says about wrestling. I love he, his knowledge of the business. But he is like, he always sabotages himself. He always puts his foot in his mouth. And then his other thing that he said, he goes, oh, well, I resigned because, frankly, um, it just wasn't fun to do that show and it was getting boring. And that just came off as kind of like sour grapes, like, uh, whatever, dude. Tell your, justify whatever you needed to do to, to justify to yourself. But like, no, dude, like you were a perfect fit for that show and you blew it because you shot your mouth off, which you've done at like your last probably several gigs at this point. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Jim Cornette, it's very easy to be like, if you're a fan of his, to defend it. Because a lot of the companies he's got fired from, like, terribly sucked. Like, the TNA firing was because they kept Vince Russo on. And I, I'm sorry, I'll take Jim Cadet or Vince Russo. And then we're going to talk about it. But uh, Sinclair Broadcasting's wrestling promotion is also really bad. So, like, it made sense. But then, like, there's also stuff like him in the backstage. Like, and let's just say there weren't a lot of wrestlers who were not upset that Jim Cornette got fired. Uh, I think Kenny King was like, oh, he said something racist. And then, of course, Kenny King and Jim Cornette got into a big thing about how he, you know, 
talked about Kenny King and the, that whole thing with race. It's a it's a really weird thing. Yeah. I, dude, I'm not I'm not going to go so far as to say just like, oh yeah, Jim Cornette is a racist. No, 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 I, think, no. I believe him. I believe him that he doesn't he didn't know why this was offensive, but I think what I'm saying is there's there gets to be a point where you can't use that as an excuse any longer and it's like, well no, you should know better at this point. All right, next up, we we kind of have a, a trend and a theme going with our news stories, um, but this is what's been going on in the world of wrestling. Tell me about the ACH situation, TL, because it does seem finally resolved in that uh, he was granted his release, but how did we get here? Okay, so um, ACH, formerly known as Jordan Miles, and this will be the only time we will say Jordan Miles because he is uh, not a fan of that of that name he was very upset he had a, a t-shirt um which was not great um it literally looked like black minstrel lips on a shirt um with jordan miles like the always smiling which i'm going to say this uh, before we go kind of more into it and i'm sorry for pausing matt but i really hated that gimmick and i really despise the black wrestler Oh, I like to smile and have fun gimmick because that itself is also kind of racially like coded. It, it it's just I, I hate it. Um, but anyway, ACH was not happy about that, and he kind of sat on it for a couple of months, which kind of correlated with him not being on television. And then he kind of made a very big public stink about it. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, bringing it up and doing everything, and then he asked for his release. Um, he said multiple times, "Hey, I want to hear from Vince and and Triple H." Um, and I, I'm guessing he didn't hear back from them, so mm-hmm. he very publicly went live and said, "Bitch, I quit." Um, and that's probably even nicer than what he actually said. Uh, but then he started taking indie bookings again. He did that before he was released. He, he took the bookings before he was released. No, no, no. It was kind of cool. Okay. It's kind of coincide. I'm. I was gonna say because that's the big no-no. You can't do that. But. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, real quick, we we should provide a few details that. Sure. At at first, yeah. So he went off, and it was a Twitter rant, and that's what what got everyone's attention. Like, whoa, what's going on here, buddy? And then it was revealed. So the shirt design, I believe, who someone did officially respond. Uh, I think it was Triple H or something. But um, no, it was it, WWE. It was WWE's PR. That's right. So he approved the design, but then there was a little back and forth. Apparently he approved the design. He'd only ever seen it on a white background, which, hey, you know, working in marketing and seeing images and stuff, I can totally see how that would be the case. It's like, yeah, can you approve this logo? Right. And the, and, and yeah, on a, I would, I would just say like you though, TL, like just that whole gimmick. And even if it is just the smiling thing on a white t-shirt background, eh, I would still kind of look at i would do a double take if i saw that right but when you when you saw it on the black background t-shirt that's where you're like whoa what are we doing here? it was um what fashion brand had that sweter fairly oh the h and like, the h&m the yeah the, the it was a turtleneck that you rolled it up and it had like a big set of lips oh on, no, on no, black, no 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 uh, that was sweater right that was the, the h&m was the black kid wearing the shirt saying the coolest monkey in the jungle thing that was oh, like two no, years no. ago. I'm talking about like this is like Versace or something. Yeah, like I that. think like it had was a sweater. Versace. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it's just one of those things where it's like, again, ignorance to an issue doesn't excuse you automatically. You know, there are certain things you're like, you, you should be sensitive enough to say, whoa, hey, should, you know, let's do a double take now. But yeah, their, their response was, well, the dude approved this design. And then he came back. And he said, well, I felt pressured to approve it because Triple H really liked the design or something, which even, you know, you said you brought up he wasn't a fan of his name. I mean, I, I know that all of the wrestlers have to sign off on the names that are given to them. So that that could that could show you kind of the relationship this guy always had with WWE management, which was uh, he just kind of went along with it because he didn't necessarily feel like he had the leverage to tell them no for things. Right. OK, but even then he said he approved it. It's. If the guy, but, but then the, the shirt never actually went on sale, right? Like that—that that was the other thing. Is it was it never actually got out there, yeah, in their shop. It, it apparently it didn't. It, apparently it never actually got like. I think what happened was all this stuff happened. I think he sat on it. I think when it was going to go live, because remember these all all those shirts went out live, and that's what I also think was a back end thing. I don't think. I think he was fighting this. I think they kind of really pushed it because if you remember when they went from NXT, uh, when they went into uh, the, the Wednesday night show on USA, everyone got a shirt. Like, everyone got shirts very fast. And I think that was the biggest thing. I think a lot of the people who were working in the back, back scenes were trying to get, you know, their stuff out. I think he raised concerns, which is why the shirt was never sold because it, it would have been sold. Like, if it would have came out, there somebody would have bought it. I think he had raised concerns, yeah. and I think they really pushed it really fast. And I think that's where we got into this problem, where he was like, okay, no one's listening to me. And I think that's where it got to a big issue. Dude, to be honest, though, that was a terrible design. It was a stupid design. Like, I would... Who would even buy that design? But well, whatever. I guess that's beside the... Oh, the other thing they said, they were like, oh, no, we want it to kind of look like the Rolling Stones lips icon. And I'm like... That looks nothing like the design you produce, like the rolling, you know, the Rolling Stone with the the tongue and the right. lips and stuff. I'm like, that looks like nothing like this design, which was just the words Jordan Miles forming teeth and then having red, like a red set of lips smiling around the teeth. I'm like, eh. so that's the thing. It's it's like one of those racially charged images. That's that's a, a racist caricature, right? It's the minstrel like kind of um to, to use like a 90s movie reference like the coonskin type of like it, it's the old minstrel look you know the big lips the big red lips and then the white teeth kind of you know poking through it's 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 the juxtaposition of you know a black face in there and it it, it just sucks um and the, again it what makes it even worse is like if you talk to ACH, like, the guy's just a big anime nerd, you could have ripped off, like, 20 million anime designs and it would have been fine. Like, yep. It, 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 it's so... This this whole thing is so stupid. Um, I know one thing that you definitely want to talk about, Matt, was how he went about it, and I... So, I'm of two minds of this. Again, I think he had been fighting backstage because, again, this has been months in the making. Um... And I think he felt like the only way he could say something was to go on Twitter and kind of go nuclear. Now, a lot of the talk um, between, you know, from wrestlers worked with him before is ACH is not really easy to work with. Um, I think 
again, I think that could kind of come off as coded. But sometimes, that, I mean, that's true. You're just difficult to work with. But I think he maybe have tried to. And he felt like the only way to kind of get his message out there was to be really pissed off on Twitter. And maybe that will get a response. And when it didn't, I think he just said, okay, well, then fuck it. I don't want to do this anymore. I think, well, my, so, you know, using your, your following, leveraging your following on Twitter is definitely something that wrestlers are, they're, this is something they do now, right? Like we, we most recently saw with Oni Lorcan is kind of doing the same thing. Um, and I don't like it because yeah, I, I think when you have an issue, you take it to management before you take it public. And, and I don't know the backstory. Maybe like you said, maybe he did and wasn't getting anywhere and said, well, now I have to take it public to try to get a grassroots movement behind this to, to kind of make my voice heard, you know? That's the thing is is I don't know the full story there, but normally I am a guy. I do I do take exception with people taking things immediately to Twitter before they go to management and and air their grievances. But I again I don't know the full story. What I can take exception to though is when he called Jay Lethal and Uncle Tom. I thought that was like way too far, and I was like, what? Why are you doing that, dude? Like that is not a good look. That I don't know. What was your take on that? So here's where this gets very difficult for me to kind of weigh through, right? Um, I don't know the relationship between ACH and Jay Lethal. Um, I'm going to say that part up front. I know that it is very inconspicuous that Jay Lethal has been the only African American or even any kind of black wrestler that's had any kind of success in Ring of Honor. And I don't know, I don't know what his relationship is with the Ring of Honor brass. Like I know Jim Cornette, when he was running the book back there, he was a huge fan of Jay Lethal, like back in the TNA days, right? So it could have just been like it was just like a guy to move forward. But like, you know, Jay Lethal is it, it, just a really weird thing, right? It is it, always been weird to me. Um, that being said, I don't think, especially like black people and I, I think I know I think people have actually reached reached out to ACH when he had when he said that it's really hard for us to to kind of you know take each other down because it, it gets into a weird space because now you can't like it, it's just like a weird kind of you know attacking part of it um I thought it was a little bit out of stretch and I'm saying this as not someone who is a fan of Jay Lethal the person Right, like there's a lot of other stuff that Jay Lethal has done, kind of it, conjecture, right? But in the backstage, where I'm just like, oh, this guy's kind of a little gross. Um, so it's really weird. Um, yeah. Well, but out, outside of the the obviously charged term, right? Like he's, he's calling someone an Uncle Tom is, is one thing, but um, for, I guess what what also bothered me is just dragging someone into an issue seemingly out of nowhere, right? It's kind of like, well. What does Jay Lethal have to do with any of this? Like, like because it's like this is your issue with WWE, dude. Like, where is this even coming from? Right. And so right. that's one of the other things I sort of took exception to is like, it started to seem he was freaking out. He he was it, it came it started to come across like a freak out, and it's like, right. whoa, dude, you're you need what are you doing? I think that really came from the fact that he didn't feel like... So, like I said, again, Jay Lethal... Not Jay Lethal, but um, ACH has gotten this reputation of being very difficult. And the only place that was really kind of brought up was in Ring of Honor. And I think 
I think he had issues with how Ring of Honor were booking black talent. And I think he said something. And I think Jay Lethal maybe not said anything. And I think that may have bothered him. I think that's why that comes out. Um, one of the things that has been really great to see about NXT um, and the black wrestlers in WWE is they are very much a coalition together, right? Uh, but again, not to bring up old stuff with Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor was the same company that let Cedric Alexander go. Like, what? Like, it, it, it's just, it's, it's really weird. So I, I think that's where that came out from. Yeah, you know, overall, my take on the situation is like, all right, it seems like they're in a place where, all right, both sides will just go their separate ways. I think it ended up what at first read as like, oh, this is a pretty easy situation to call. Stuff came to light that it's like, oh, this is actually a pretty complex situation and we don't have all the facts. But yeah, all in all, I think um, there were mistakes made on both sides, but there was, you know, this shit should not have happened with the shirt in that shirt design and it all comes back to kind of what you said it's it was a lame gimmick that how is that even a gimmick you know oh i smile a lot like what like what that's what the fuck you know like that's that's not a character i'm sorry but it's not (laughs) like yeah i mean remember the new day's original gimmick was we clap through the plane that's the reason why they do the clap thing right like it's like we 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 clap ourselves through the pain and well, the, their gimmick was supposed to be a black gospel choir inspired thing. That's yeah. that's where the clapping came from, right? So, right. Here's the thing. I think that Vince is a genius. I really do. I honestly think that. I honestly think Mr. Vance is a genius. I also don't think he's racist. I'm putting those two things up front for anyone mixes my word. I think Vince, and to a degree. Triple H, especially if that's like if that Jordan Miles character is what he came up with, I think they need to be around more black people because I think this like I I think I think this whole thing kind of like the the original gimmick itself kind of skews from not knowing enough black people to be like hey maybe this isn't cool right um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like w- what I love what they're doing with the Kabuki Warriors is almost like hey. Kana and or Asuka and Kari like you guys do the thing that is really cool for you guys and they're getting over and they're doing their own thing and I think they just I don't know man it's just they really need to be around more black people (laughs) that's that's kind of my big thing dude I think that's totally a fair criticism and as like a white man that's something I'm totally aware of is like hey I might not even be aware that something I'm saying is offensive um and it's one of those things where it's like, I can't necessarily go my whole life just worrying that I'm constantly offending people. But at the same time, I just take the attitude like, Hey, if anyone ever calls me on anything, my first response should never be to get defensive. It should be like to listen, to understand, to change, to acknowledge and to move on and and apologize and move, you know what I mean? And and go, okay, this is not going to happen again because yeah, we're all, we should be learning. Right. And we, as as a society, we are starting to have discussions that maybe we didn't before. And so someone like me, who could have gone through my whole life ignorant to certain things, it's like, well, now, you know, I'm going to learn. And once someone's told me once, I should not have an excuse after that. If they've told me, hey, that's that's offensive. It's like, cool, understood, point taken. 
And yeah, I won't say it again, you know, and I definitely have my hot button issues that are like not related to race. Even it's like I have a special needs family member, right? And so I'm super sensitive when any, ever anyone uses the R word. Right. right? And I, I am quick to, cause it's one of those words that like, yeah, even growing up, like everyone used it like, oh, you know, and I'm, I'm quick to call it out. Like, like when anyone says it, I'm like, Hey dude, like, that's not cool. You shouldn't say that. There's, there's other words you could, you know, you right. don't need to say that's the R word. And so, yeah, there's, but that's one of those things where I don't blame someone for saying it. Cause I also know like, oh yeah, that's just something people have been saying for years and years. But if I correct you and then you come at me like, dude, fuck you. You know what I mean? I didn't mean it in that way nah dude not cool you know what yeah. i mean because it's it's not even about me it's like hey well what if my family member was in the room and they heard you they're right. you know what i'm saying like you need to be more it's just yeah we should all just be kind of sensitive and in tune and and willing to listen to each other and hear each other out and under you know and not immediately get defensive with this stuff i i said this earlier today um i was having a large conversation about kind of SJW and all the other stuff, right? And this is, I don't think this is an SJW stance, right? Um, mm. It literally takes nothing for you to just be like, it's almost like, hey, I want to be called this. Okay. Like, it, it, there, there's nothing that changes your life. There's nothing that changes anything you do. There's nothing that changes the interaction with that person. It's just so much easier just to be like, I want to be called this. All right. And I and I put it to the person, and I don't want you to say this. Like it doesn't, it's not going to kill your vocabulary. It's not going to make you less funny. It just, it just makes sense just to be that person. I told somebody I was like, when you when I met you, it was like if I met somebody, and then I say, hey, I want you to call me TL. That's my name. I want you to call me TL. How weird would it be if they were just like, no, fuck you. I want to call you Alan because that's your name. It's like. But you don't, like, yeah. it, it It just boggles my mind. So, just don't, like like you said, it's just so much easier not to use those triggers. It's, like I said, even going back to the Jim Cornette thing, even going back to, you know, it, it's so easy just to be like, someone say, hey, this is not a good look. Okay, my bad, didn't know, let me move forward. It's just so much yeah. easier. Right, right. Versus digging in your heels and, you know, in this case, WWE being like, well, he approved this design or whatever. Like, no, the stance should just be like, hey, we hear you. We're, you know, we, we did not use the design. We are, we apologize for that. Um, you know, we're learning and we're moving forward, you know. How can we make this better? Right. How can we make this better? It's something that we will know moving forward for future shirt designs. And absolutely, we're aware of it. And yeah, that, that should be the response, you know, not both sides digging in their heels. And in this case, the other thing too with this is ACH wasn't being used a lot on TV. And so that's the other part of this is that he was, he was disgruntled and unhappy about a lot of things. And so, yeah, it's better now both parties part ways and they go their Now, I think, I really think that this was the start of it. And that's the reason I'm, I'm not trying to do conspiracies, but like he won their breakout tournament. Like, and with that, have a lot of guys who they're using a lot on television. I think he was mm-hmm. going to be used, and then I think all of this happened, and then they stopped. You think maybe him. he made it? He made a stink about the shirt, and then they, hey, you know, we've heard stuff like that happening behind the scenes. So yeah, that could be it too, and yeah. that would be unfortunate. That yeah. that would suck. It's a it's a it's an ongoing thing. I think we will we won't know the full extent until like people 
like retire like would ACH retires when we'll finally hear the full story of this yep but speaking of uh, unsanctioned events a lot of wrestling fans Matt found out that wrestling commissions are still a thing and do and actually do give shows okays to do this did you know this Matt well, I knew it because it recently came up uh, that, yeah, AEW is being investigated by the Maryland State Athletic Commission for the Lights Out match that occurred at Full Gear, the Full Gear pay-per-view. Uh, here's what bothers me. they were AEW was ratted out by former WCW announcer Chris Cruz, who he made a post to Facebook on November 23rd where he mentioned that he was planning to contact the commission. This is why it almost feels like a work. I'm like, wait, what? Because read some of these rules that the Maryland State Athletic Commission has that um, he is saying, yeah, these these were rules were clearly broken. So prohibited activities, according to the Maryland State Athletic Commission, uh, the following actions are prohibited. A, striking an opponent with a fist or using knuckles. Okay, uh, that happens all the time during wrestling matches. Uh, B, scratching or gouging the opponent. Heels scratch eyes all the time. Uh, C, butting the opponent. Uh, hello, Andre the Giant. <laughs> Using the headbutt. Uh, D, slamming an opponent into a ring post. That <laughs> happens multiple times per match per night. But okay, E, striking an opponent with a foreign object. Again, okay, I'll keep going these, but point point is, listen to all these and just... This sounds like a wrestling event. Uh, F, kicking an opponent, unless a recognized wrestling move. Uh, G, a stranglehold. H, pulling hair. I, inhibiting breathing by covering the nose and mouth at the same time. J, jumping from the ring ropes onto an opponent. K, deliberately leaving the ring enclosure during a contest. L, unsportsmanlike or physically dangerous conduct. And M, deliberately lacerating oneself or one's opponent or by any other means introducing human or animal blood into the ring. And wrestler continuing to engage in prohibited activities after sufficient warning may be disqualified by the referee. So this feels like a work to me because honestly, every single one of those rules is pretty much what makes up almost every match of every wrestling show held in the modern era. This is this is ridiculous. This is why athletic commissions are no longer involved with wrestling that was in the kayfabe days when we were pretending this was a legitimate, not uh, fixed, you know, contest like the, with, with predetermined results. That was when we were trying to say, oh, we're just like boxing or we're just like, uh, you know, um, UFC. Dude, this is a predetermined. This is it's theater. It's live action theater slash stunt show. I don't know. This doesn't feel real to me. What do I told you? It's 100% real. Um, so this is, this is something that happens all the time. It's also why ECW couldn't run in a lot of state. So here's the thing about these athletic commissions. If you have enough money, it doesn't matter what rules they are because you're going to be able to do the event. Uh, this only happens because there's a snitch who said, oh, hey, look what they're doing. Uh, but they like these athletic commissions like are a big deal. Um, Dana White talked about it. Uh, previously, like when they were trying to get um, UFC into different states, these athletes, like they are archaic, and we should be rid of them. But I mean, it's another government job. That no, they, they, they serve a purpose. If this was amateur wrestling, you know, like like straight up like Greco-Roman wrestling, then absolutely all of those rules should apply, right? Uh, well, they don't have ring ropes or whatever, but you know what I'm trying to say. 
But when you talk about professional wrestling, no, it's because it's all gimmicked. It's not, you don't, you're not really punching someone with your knuckles or a closed fist. You're not really throwing them into the ring post to hurt them. It's all the, so the only thing he really reported them for though was the blading. It was, they were cutting themselves to get blood, you know, right. to get color in the match. In, but it's, that's, it's what's funny to me is at first I'm like, oh, well, shoot. Yeah, I guess that they, that could be serious. And then I read their other rules and I'm like, well, no, because then they would have to crack down on every wrestling thing. It's, it's one of those things where it just comes off as sort of like, like a growing pain of a new wrestling organization that it's like, oh, maybe you didn't know that Maryland had stricter rules or something. And so there's certain things you don't do at shows in Maryland or I don't know, but it's like, I just think. It's hilarious, but also like, yeah, that dude snitched, and what the fuck? Yeah, it's not a good look. It's really not a good look at all. No, it's not. Speaking of things that aren't a good look, what's going on with Kelly Klein, current Ring of Honor Women's Champion Kelly Klein, or maybe former at this point? All right, definitely former because she no longer works <laughs> there. Well, well, that's the thing is, her, she, they told her her contract would not be renewed. So, but I think she's still technically under contract, isn't she? Through she was sent through a company email um, that she, that she was going to be fired for her, uh, fired from them, and uh, they did not offer to arrange or pay for the treatment for her recent concussion. The email she got because I was following the story. The email just said we are choosing not to renew your contract. But so so yeah, the story is she she hurt herself. And she was complaining that they didn't have proper medical staff at the show and no one put her in a proper concussion protocol. And this is someone, so she, she started to reveal some things of like how much money she was getting paid, which was nothing. It was like $25,000 a year. Yeah. You're, contract. you're, you're a thousand dollars over. It was 24. Like she's making, she's make she makes less money than I do. And and granted, she probably gets some appearance fees, and, and it, I don't know if that includes payouts from shows, but from what I've heard, they haven't had great attendance, so there's probably not huge like house payouts. But uh, right. but they also, because she's a contractor, and there's this is this whole bigger issue with wrestling, she doesn't have health insurance through the company. Like she has to, I think she was she's fortunate in that her uh, her partner has health insurance that she's able to be on. But so she she started talking about this, mm-hmm. and then Joey Mercury publicly kind of started to go off about some of this stuff, and then she was kind of, you know, they were both like amplifying each other's signal on social media, and that's where the Ring of Honor execs kind of got wind of it, and that's where they sent her that email saying, hey, uh, you're, we, you know, this is while she's out still with this injury. Uh, they were like, oh, we're, you know, we're not. Yeah, we're just we're we're not going to renew your contract because of the stuff you've been doing on social media, and really she's it, it's like well is that really why or was it because she's injured and and it's it raised a lot of questions let's just say yeah a lot of this just really sucks uh, Ring of Honor is a really bad company yeah I, I should say a lot of it points to the fact that Ring of Honor just appears to be in absolute disarray right now uh, yeah. this is not Ring of Honor probably four or five years ago was still like this cool had this indie feel it was this alternative promotion that it was almost like a like ecw back in the day it was feeding wwe wrestlers right like some of the biggest stars in wwe right now people like seth rollins made their name in ring of honor right uh people like daniel bryan wrestled in ring of honor so so uh 
I mean, give me some more names. Did Samoa Joe wrestled in Ring of Honor? Like, is- so I mean, yeah. If, if we're looking at, right, let's just look at current WWE champions, right? Um, like I said, uh, Seth Rollins, Ring of Honor. Yep. Um, Daniel Bryan, Ring of Honor. The the yep. Ke- Kevin Owens was Ring of Honor. Kevin Owens, Sam, yeah, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. The current, all the current NXT champions, like made their bread in Ring of Honor. Um, yep. it, it it was the haven of like true professional wrestling. Like I. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if people realize like how influential. I we're coming up on the decade now, like of from like 2008 to 2012. Ring of Honor was, uh, but yeah. it, it 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 created a style. It created like the smaller like AEW is what Ring of Honor is on a bigger scale. I was just about to say, if you like AEW, chances are you would have loved Ring of Honor in its heyday because right. they pioneered that style in the west right and it was a lot of like what you know stuff that was maybe happening in triple a down in mexico or in japan with the strong style stuff like ring of honor would pull it in it was it was a nice alternative to kind of the big man wwe new york style or even like tna which kind of almost had these more southern roots with its style you know although tna was just trying to copy wwe a lot of the time as well so yeah it was it but it my point is it was producing some of the best wrestlers like in ring workers in the the industry had to offer and then something went wrong and it's just not the same company at all you know i can tell you exactly what happened sinclair broadcasting broadcasting bought them and jim Mm -hmm. Cornette, uh with delirious who was the booker at the time ran off all their big talent there's a great article that could be read about the decade of mismanagement that happened with Ring of Honor, but the fact that they lost Davy Richard because they didn't want to book him correctly, who was a who was a great wrestler, who was the training partner of Kyle O'Reilly, uh, kind of got him into the business. Davy Richard, a lot of people said like he could have been the next Dynamite Kid. Um, he could have been the next like. He who should not be named. He has that kind of like of a wrestling style, but he was such a really great wrestler. But they he wanted to wrestle with Eddie Edwards, and they didn't want to do that. Jim Cornette was very set in his ways. Uh, Jim Cornette allowed Kevin Owens to just be in the background when he was the D- best. Because well, he doesn't like Kevin Owens. Doesn't doesn't like his. Mostly, it's his body type. He just thinks yeah. Kevin Owens doesn't look like a wrestler. Um, he also kind of shit can one of the greatest feuds of all time. Ring of Honor, like, I, I know this became a very Jim, Jim Cornette show, but, I mean, that, that kind of showed where Ring of Honor went, and then as it would get a little steam, it would just get, like, worse and worse, and the company is just, like I said, it's just a very sad state, state of itself. It's not enjoyable to watch. I, I don't understand how it keeps going, and they keep making really dumb things. Like, they, they pushed New Japan to make an American... Uh, make an American company because their Ring of Honor show was so bad during WrestleMania. Like, it, it, yeah. it's... Well. Yeah, they, they, that's the thing is that New Japan was, like, partnering with Ring of Honor for years, and it was it was great, but uh, we didn't even mention, like, Young Bucks. <laughs> right. The Young... Yeah. Kenny Omega. You, Kenny Omega. One of the best tag teams that has never come to WWE was the Briscoes, right? Like, Briscoes were, were huge. It, it's... I don't know. There's just, like... It's just so sad, and you see all these pictures online, people posting of, like, the turnout for, for shows, and it's, like, first couple rows, and then that's it, like an empty arena. It's 
it de- you know pro wrestling is an expensive business and it definitely looks like they are bleeding money right um and yeah but but you know this just it's part of like this this whole thing with Kelly Klein. Yeah, it's it's absolutely terrible, but it's more just kind of revealed how crazy things are backstage there and how messed up things are, you know. And and of course, you know, uh, Ring of Honor, they did counter and they said, "Oh no, we had we had the proper medical staff," and so they they disputed a lot of the claims she made. But then other wrestlers were kind of chiming in, other people on social media, and so it's like you don't know who really to believe here, but. For, by all accounts, it's like, yeah, Ring of Honor is... I don't know how much longer they can hold out. And I don't know how much longer Sinclair Broadcasting will allow them to hold out, you know, if they're going to be losing that much money. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do with it. It's a really... It's just a sad state of affairs. For sure. That is it for the news. Moving on. There is a new segment I wanted to try on this show... That actually, we want to debut it here as a bit of a teaser, because this is something we want to start adding to the Patreon-exclusive preview episodes of pay-per-views. As most of you are aware, uh, the Laser Time Network has a little show called 302010, which takes a look back at movies, TV, and games 30, 20, and 10 years ago. But what it doesn't look at is wrestling. So what we're going to do here is for the shows that we are previewing uh, on the Patreon preview show, and then actually in this one for, for Survivor Series, let's take a look back at Survivor Series from 1989, 1999, and 2009 to see what was going on. TL, you ready to hop in the Wayback Machine with me? Let's go back, Mr. Peabody. All right, so uh, talking about Survivor Series 1989, here are our results. Uh, first up, we had Boris Zukov defeating Paul Roma. Uh, the Dream Team, Dust the Rose, Baby, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, The Red Rooster, and Tito Santana defeated the Enforcers, which was comprised of Big Boss Man, Bad News Brown, Rick Martell, Rick the Model Martell, and the Honky Tonk Man with Jimmy Hart and Slick. And that was a Survivor Series elimination match. Uh, then we had the King's Court, which was comprised of the recently turned heel Randy Savage. You mean uh, the Macho up, King, Randy Savage. The Macho King, yeah. Randy Savage, yeah. yeah. Uh, teaming with Canadian Earthquake, Dino Bravo, and Greg Valentine, uh, with Jimmy Hart and Queen Sherry on the side, uh, defeating the 4x4s, which was Jim Hacksaw, Jim Dugan, Bret Hart, uh, Ronnie Garvin, and Hercules. He's my little Hercules. 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 Uh, in the next Survivor Series elimination match, man, this card is just full of Survivor Series matches. We have to remember, this is only the third Survivor Series ever, and so they are still very much feeling out the format, and it kind of felt like almost literally every match except for the one singles match. Um, they're all Survivor Series matches. So we had the Hulkamaniacs, uh, which is Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake Roberts, Axe and Smash, defeating the million dollar team of Ted DiBiase, the Warlord, the Barbarian, and... Zeus with Virgil and Mr. Fuji. Now, TL, do you remember what this was tied to? This would have to be no holes barred because it's around that same time, right? Like even yes, is this was it was it summer was it SummerSlam where it was Zeus versus Hogan? Zeus was, I believe, the storyline is he's trying to get revenge for losing in the movie to Hulk Hogan, right? And yeah, and they just did this whole thing. It's so weird. Tiny Lister 
at Devo was in Survivor Series. That was, uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Tiny Lister, who I found out his real name is Tom Lister Jr. I'm, I'm just disappointed his name's not really Tiny Lister. But yeah, it's like, this was, I think, one of the first times. So this was 1989. By this time, I had a strong hunch wrestling was a work. But, you know, I still wanted to believe it was real. And this just was one of those things I'm like, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> it was like they're breaking kayfabe by, like, taking these characters from a movie and then kind of saying, well, they're sort of still acting it out in real life, but they're still sort of playing their movie characters with Zeus. And it's like it actually ended up, you know, partially shattering that illusion for me of, OK, yeah, this is absolutely fake at this point and prearranged. Yeah, uh, he would also go on to wrestle in WCW. Do you remember what his name was in WCW? No, what was it? He was Z Gangsta. As part of the alliance to end Hulkamania. <laughs> Z Gangsta. Oof. That's good, uh, man. Uh, he, he also debuted with a wrestler who went by the name The Ultimate Solution. Mm. Uh, yeah. Just asking, maybe asking someone, hey, does how does this name sound? Maybe just, you know, vet it. Um, next Survivor Series elimination match, we had the Rude Brood. Man, I miss these awesome team names. Now it's just like Team Smackdown. Uh, but yeah, we had um, Ravishing Rick Rude with Mr. Perfect and Jacques and Raymond Rougeau uh, with the Genius and Jimmy Hart defeating Roddy's Rowdies, which was Rowdy Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, Bushwhacker Luke, and of course Bushwhacker Butch. And then finally, the final Survivor Series <clears throat> match, we have the Ultimate Warriors, the, which is, of course, comprised of the Ultimate Warrior with Jim Needhart, uh, Shawn Michaels, and Marty Jannetty. So you got the Rockers in here. You got the Anvil and the... This is the one... They they show the promo where, like, Warrior is just, like, walking back. and It's so... You can just tell everyone there is so pissed off because they're all trying to cut a promo and Warrior's just like walking in front of the camera. And then at one point he starts pulling on Needhart's goatee. Yeah. And you're like, what is so much cocaine, dude? Oh, I just, a good Here we go. It's you all. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, Ultimate Warrior. So they went on to defeat the Heenan family, uh, which is Bobby Heenan, Andre the Giant, Haku, and Arn Anderson, a team of pretty much all legit tough guys, um, headed up by by Bobby the Brain Heenan on that one. Um, yeah, I boy, <laughs> this is when I look at this card. It's like all of the wrestling action figures I had as a kid. They're all laid out before me right here. This so that's insane. That's what's weird about Survivor Series. I know a lot of people aren't a huge fan of the brand supremacy, but I I liked it better than like like this show to me would not have been, like, if you give me a Starcade where it's, like, a WrestleMania event next to this, which just seems like, hey, who are people we like? Let's put them in a tag team. Like, it's just weird. It's weird to me, especially in that, that final match. Ultimate Warrior is the sole survivor. Like, in a lot of these matches, there's just a lot of sole survivors. Like, in Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior, they both got to be sole survivors on their own team. Like, that's so... It's weird, um... Yeah, it, it, it's sure a Survivor Series. Yeah, I mean, when you have the Ultimate Warrior um, 
going over Bobby the Brain Heenan in, as the last pinfall of the match. There's something going on there. <laughs> right. But, uh, well, that was because Heenan was managing the Brain Busters, which is how Heenan and Arn basically got on that team. I don't know. I kind of liked these days because it's so funny. This was 89, and yet I'm thinking of this as like peak 80s WWF. And it, I, you know, which when you, th- we always talk about these like shoulder shoulder years in these decades like this is just closing out the 80s yet i would have thought of it as like 80s full you know rock and wrestling connection at this point with all these guys on this card but uh, yeah this is this is peak wwf man uh moving on to 1999 survivor series 1999 so let's go over uh the card here we have um First up, D'Lo Brown with The Godfather and The Headbangers. What, what a combo there. You got The Headbangers with D'Lo and The Godfather. Uh, Mosh and Thrasher, of course, The Headbangers, defeating the acolytes of Bradshaw and Farouk uh, with the Dudley boys of Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley. All right, that's quite a quite a pairing. And that was an, a, in a Survivor Series elimination match. Next match, we have the in-ring debut of Kurt Angle going over Sean Stasiak in a singles match and this one what i love about it is like even in his first in-ring performance angle is already kind of playing heel and telling the crowd they should be cheering for their olympic champion it's great uh it's the debut of probably one of the best wrestlers of all time it's it's very highly notable and how quickly he took to wrestling and the fact that he's debuting at a survivor series talk about some pressure you know the next survivor series elimination match we have the team of this is this is the most like attitude era just throw a bunch of people on a team because why not all right check this team out we got gangrel with mark henry sexual chocolate with steve blackman and val venus (laughs) what they went over and defeated the british bulldog with the Mean Street Posse of Joey Abs, Pete Gas, and Rodney. <laughs> this is <laughs> why. I mean, this is this is yeah. peak attitude era, I guess. Um, <laughs> so the next we have an eight woman tag team match uh, that consisted of Deborah, the fabulous Mula, Mae Young, and Tori uh, defeating Ivory, Jacqueline, Luna, and Terry Reynolds. Yeah. Do you see that runtime? I mean, honestly, just think of how far the women's division has come in that we had matches going under two minutes that had to consist of Mula and Mae Young had to be in their like 60s or 70s at this point, right? Yeah, no, they're definitely a lot older. Like they, But this is during their revival part, right? Like in the 90s? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, next up in a singles match, we had Kane defeating X-Pac by DQ. Uh, Then in a one-on-four Survivor Series elimination match, we had The Big Show defeating Big Boss Man, Midian, Prince Albert, and Viscera. This is like the match of just giant human beings. Like everyone in this match was at the time probably well over 300 pounds, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the smallest guy in there might be Big Boss Man. Uh, yeah. Well, Midian, like Midian was a bigger dude. Yeah, yeah. Now, didn't Midian go on? He's like a chef now. I I think so. Now, do you you know why it was a one on four handicap match? 
Well, was this, I mean, I know what Big Show later did later in the night. Yeah. No, so Big Show, before the, before their match, attacked all of his members of his, <laughs> of his team. He beat up every member of his team. <laughs> yeah. Which if, if you think about, well, we'll talk about this year's a uh, little bit later. Um, in the next, and then, so this isn't the last we're going to see of Big Show uh, on tonight's card. Uh, next up, we had China <coughs> with Miss Kitty defeating Chris Jericho in a singles match for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Um, next match, we have our next Survivor Series elimination match. We have the Hollies, uh, Crash and Hardcore Holly, uh, and Too Cool, Grandmaster Sex A, and Scotty Too Hotty. Uh, sad to say, but two of those four people are no longer with us at this point. Defeating Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys uh, with Terry Runnels. Uh, and that match went 15 minutes, so that's a good proper. I mean, that that's kind of short for actually a Survivor Series match. Right. But, uh, yeah, all right. Um, next match, we had a tag team match for the WWF Tag Team Championship, where the New Age Outlaws of Billy Gunn and Road Dog Jesse James, uh, defeating Al Snow and Mankind with Head. Uh, and last match of the night. So this was supposed to be a match pitting Stone Cold Steve Austin against Triple H and The Rock in a triple threat match. But in the storyline, Stone Cold had been hit by a car earlier and could not compete. And so the Big Show stood in and the Big Show ultimately won the championship. In reality, Stone Cold, it was an angle so that he could take some time off to heal and rest some nagging injuries. But yeah, uh, yeah this was this was the Big Show winning the championship. This is the famous, I did it for the rock, like, <laughs> air, oh, right. oh, so great. <laughs> of Rikishi, of Rikishi doing it for the rock. I did it for the rock. I did it for the rock. Yes, so that was Survivor Series 1999. And then looking back 10 years ago, uh, Survivor Series 2009. Um, I love just seeing some of these names. I'm like, oh yeah, because some of these people probably coming back. Uh, some, yeah, we miss. But uh, first up, we have Santino Marella defeating Chavo Guerrero in a singles match. Uh, next up in the first Survivor Series elimination match of the night, we had Team Miz, which is made of Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Jack Swagger, and The Miz and Sheamus defeating Team Morrison. Uh, which is Evan Bourne, Finley, John Morrison, Matt Hardy, and Shelton Benjamin. With all this, every member of Team Miz is an active wrestler in one of the two organizations. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's true. That's wild to me. That's, ugh. Yeah. Different. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrestling, man. Never say never. Everyone comes back eventually. Yep. Uh, next up in a singles match, we had uh, Batista defeating Rey Mysterio by a knockout. And then on the next 5-on-5 Survivor Series elimination match, we had Team Kingston. Uh, that is comprised of Kofi Kingston with Christian, Mark Henry, Montel Vontavious Porter, and our truth MVP, uh, defeating Team Orton, which is, of course, Randy Orton, CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase, and William Regal. Like, just think where all of these guys are now in such different places, most of them. Did, did Regal yell out, War Games, before they started? <laughs> war Games! That'd be great. This this match would only be better if it was War Games! War Games! Uh, All right. Um, next match, we had in a triple threat match for the w, for the World Heavyweight Championship. That's right. 
Oh, this I I should have taken a step back and said um, this was, I believe, one of the first times after the brand split. Now we just have the the different you know Raw versus SmackDown. Is, yeah. is, is what a lot of these teams are. Um, but yeah, in this next triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship, we have The Undertaker defeating Big Show and Chris Jericho by a submission to retain the championship. In the next match, we have a 5-on-5 five five Survivor Series elimination match. We have Team Mickey, which is Mickey James with Eve Torres, Gail Kim, Kelly Kelly, and Melina defeating Team Michelle, which is, of course, Michelle McCool, Alicia Fox, Beth Phoenix, Jillian Hall and Layla. Uh, man, I, it's just like what's so crazy is most of these women no longer compete with WWE or like Beth Phoenix is now a commentator. Yeah, and Mickey James is now a commentator on main event. Like, oh, is she officially just a commentator? She she no longer wrestles as of right now. I don't. I think she's one of those inactive situations, like kind of like uh, in English. So, yeah, right, right. And then in the final match of the night, uh, we have another triple threat match for the WWE Championship where John Cena defeats Triple H and Shawn Michaels. So it's basically Cena against Degeneration X. Uh, yeah. I think this is one of the things. This I, I have a theory. Like I've, I've been thinking about doing an all-decade thing. And I, I really want to make an argument that John Cena isn't the best wrestler of this last decade, but... I think where we come off as, where we get kind of upset with Cena, or like where Smarks do, is stuff like this. Like, this is a match, like, maybe John Cena shouldn't have been over, but it actually makes more sense. Like, he's he was the young guy at the time, this was in 2009, and like, what's the best rub than beating two of the last generation? Like, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. Well, yeah. It, it, at the time... I just remember this Survivor Series sort of got criti- criticized because it was like very expected booking. Like it was like, all right, yeah, fine. Just feel- it, it was. I feel like you know when we talk about the Big Four and how a lot of people don't really perceive Survivor Series to be a Big Four anymore. This was kind of the era where it did start to take a dive. You know, especially if you just look, we just read you the '89 card, and especially in the '99 card in the Attitude Era, like those were all big matchups. And then 2009, huh, nothing super memorable out of any of that. Yeah, the only thing that kind of came out of this pay-per-view was the Kofi Kingston-Randy Orton feud from this year. Because, like, yes. this was the blow-off before that feud started this year. Yep, yep, that's right. All right, so that has been our mini 30-2010 segment. And this is, again, something that we will be incorporating into the Patreon-exclusive preview shows, which you can get access to at patreon.com slash laser time by subscribing at the $5 per month or more level. 30, 20, 10. Moving on, we have finally arrived at the reviews of the pay-per-views. So we're going to start with NXT TakeOver War Games. I've got a very simple solution for this. War Games! Everybody tried to pick a fight with me, and it has led to this. War Games. Take over War Games in Chicago. Lock the cage. Uh, and 
one thing I will call out here, I am not, we're not going to talk about the matches we didn't include on the preview episode because if WWE didn't even bother to book those far enough in advance for us to cover them, then they are not worth us talking about here. So I might just mention the results, but they do not qualify and are not included in our reviews. Starting off, we have the first ever Women's War Games War Games match where ultimately Team Ripley went over for the win. Um, I had called Team Baszler. TL, you had called this one. You said Team Ripley would get the win. Man, this was a really good way to kick off the show. Uh, and I, I gave this one, I came in at three and a half. Oh, yeah. 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 It's just a real solid match. It really made Rhea Ripley come out looking like a superstar, which she then, we'll talk about it in Survivor Series, but she came, then really looked good uh, the next night in Survivor Series. Yeah, I I gave this match a four and a half. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah! Man, yeah. Uh, Ooh. This was such a really good match. And the thing was, it was a very strong, like, convincing story that was told throughout. Um, the story of Dakota Kai in this match was genius because it's it's been a slow burn like of this character who's felt inadequate and like no one had stepped up for her and she was never a vocal point of like the invasion angles or anything like that and then for her to snap on uh, on Tegan Knox like her best friend like it was such a genius moment I and then the match itself was just fucking phenomenal uh, right. I what was originally booked as, as Mia. It was supposed to be Mia in there, right? Right. Instead it was of Dakota Kai. So on the pre-show, Mia got attacked backstage. Mm. So yeah, she got attacked backstage. But hadn't she? No. But I, I feel like on TV, just a little bit prior, she she was in like a ladder match and she she got pretty busted up. She got busted up, but she wasn't medically unclear to to wrestle oh, or okay. a storyline because she was in the evasion like the next night. Like on yeah, SmackDown yeah, the next night, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. she got she got attacked backstage, and no one knew who. And it turned out it was mm-hmm. Dakota Kai the the whole time, like setting herself on the team and then using it to attack Tegan Knox. Yeah, and and going off on Tegan Knox, and eventually even Candice LeRae, and yeah, she just basically decimated her team, and it looked really bad for them. And the whole time, Baszler's just sitting in in the next cage, like laughing. Yeah, uh, because she's like, "This is great. We got this. We got this in hand." And then, yeah, Rhea Ripley kind of, uh, literally and figuratively, just put it on her shoulders and carried them to victory. The rest yeah. of that match. Yeah, Rhea yeah. and Candice Larry did such a great job. But like, those are those two. Those are those two women. Like, if you're gonna get women who are gonna just like kind of carry your whole show, like they're gonna be definitely the ones you want. Um, again, not saying anything negative about uh, Dakota Kai or Tegan Knox. I'm a huge fan of those. But like Rhea Ripley, she is just money, and she like if you're gonna build a division, you're gonna build against her. Like she's a 23 year old, just like piece of gold. Like you, you have to run with that. And then Candice LeRae, I've I've said nothing but great things about her. I think she's probably the best wrestler, women's wrestler, like outside of the Io Shirai in any yeah. wrestling company. So yeah, I feel so kind good. of bad. I do. I feel like she kind of gets overlooked, almost like. If you'll forgive me the comparison, but almost think of like a Molly Holly, right? Like just like where she is a bit more experienced and is like the veteran of this group, but and she is such like a solid worker, and you can kind of tell behind the scenes she's like their 
probably coaching up a few of the other people and kind of showing them things. Um, but yeah, be- because of that, like, don't get me wrong. She was involved in that kick-ass storyline um, with Io Shirai earlier in the year. But uh, yeah, I kind of feel like, I don't know. It's hard not to get overshadowed when you're on a team with Rhea Ripley. But I don't know. Is that just me? I just kind of feel like she gets a little overlooked. No, I think it's I think it's fair, but I think that's kind of more of the. I it's one of the things why I I think going to two hours on NXT is beneficial because I do think there's so much great women talent that needs to be promoted and shown. And I think yeah. this is what we can actually use that extra hour to do because, like you said, Candice LeRae for a long time was playing back fiddle and then they're like well we need to put her on tv we'll just put her with her husband but candace larray is so much more better it's so it's so much much better than an accessory and i think she was able to show that in this match and yeah uh matt i again io shirai great bianca belair a lot of people aren't talking about how like fantastic she has grown in her short time wrestling like she's only been wrestling for like three years she's just so good like it's very to me it's very reminiscent to like when the rock was starting out like someone who just gets it you know she's good dude you know what i love is she when she uses the hair as a weapon almost like a fighting game character i totally mark out for it dude i'm I'm there i'm like yep that's awesome please keep doing more like that yeah love uh, it I, I love it i i really love this match uh to me this was my mama mia match of the night <laughs> It was what? really fucking good. Nice. I really loved it, yeah. Love it. Awesome. Moving on, we have the Men's War Games match with Team Chiampa of Tommaso Chiampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, and the mystery uh, uh, combatant, which ended up, well, we'll get there, versus the Undisputed Era with NXT champion Adam Cole Baby, NXT North American champion Roderick Strong, and NXT Tag Team champions Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. So, we were wondering who the mystery combatant was. We felt like Gargano, or at least I felt like Gargano was too obvious a choice. I did not see Kevin Owens coming. But when Kevin Owens came down... He won everybody over that night. I loved it, dude. Like that, the roof blew off that place. Um, I, in terms of predictions, I had said this was a toss up, but I went with Team Chiampa. Um, and then TL, you actually picked Undisputed Era. Uh, we, as we know, Team Chiampa went over with, you know, that insane finish. Like I, very rarely have I screamed watching a wrestling match, but I screamed for Adam Cole's safety when they jumped. When when Ciampa, I don't even know what you'd call that. It's, it a, it's like an air raid cradle. crash. It's the the movie's called Air Raid Crash. It's kind of like a, it's like a cradled. Um, it's almost like a cradle. Um, he cradled him around his back a little bit, and yeah. then he, yeah, he's holding his he's he's holding his neck, and they crash through from the very top of the cage. They crash through tables. Uh, and of course that basically knocked, knocked Adam Cole out. Uh, and then they got the win. Um, I loved this match. I thought there was a few slow moments in the match. Um, and so I only netted out, but don't get me wrong. This is still an excellent score. I gave this four. Oh, yes. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely love this match. And I, that finish, I was still like, 
please, Adam Cole, don't do that to yourself anymore. All right, you've already taken. If you think of like the killer bump in the match with Gargano uh, earlier this year, uh, off the top of a cage, like can we not or whatever that thing was? The what did they call that? Like the death chamber or some stupid shit like oh, that? Oh yeah, a, or <laughs> murder cage. The murder. <laughs> Yeah, like let's stop taking bumps off the top of the cage. All right, your your, your bump card is going to get full very quickly. But uh, man, this was a good match. Um, yeah, and I had predicted this to be my showstopper, and it did not disappoint. Yeah, uh, this was it was it was really really good. Um, so so there's a little a lot of little things I loved. Uh, so the Kevin Owens entrance. The very interesting thing is that was the exact same Titantron he used. In his debut five years ago against TJ Parker. Um, and it was the shirt that they created for him for his debut. Like he wasn't wearing his, like his raw shirt. He was wearing his old NXT gear. Uh, which, I remember it was the, it's the Fight Owens fight shirt. Yeah. Right? Well, it's, it's the, it's the KO that's done in the scotch tape. But like the, the Titan Tron, you see where he's wearing, like when he did his WWE tryout, he didn't have a shirt because he wrestles in a shirt. So he had got like a black shirt and you can see like it has fight and he like painted like with paint, drew the word fight on it. And it's such a great shirt. I really wish they would have ever sold that shirt because his design on it, like it was very crude, but it looked fucking phenomenal. Um, yeah. So yeah. I love, 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 love that. Um, I love Dajakovic and Keith Lee as a team. I think they have really great energy. I will save my Keith Lee over the moon love fest for a later time in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I yes. really, I really like the sh- I really like this match. Um, some things that did bug me: there was a lot of callbacks to that murder cage stuff, especially with the barbed wire. Uh, <clears throat> I don't like tables in the War Games match, and I I know even the women's match they were teasing it, but they they didn't go they didn't go to it. I, I just don't know how I feel about it. Um, but that being said, really love this match. Um, I yeah. really love the finish of the match. I went a four as well. Like, this was a really, yeah. really great match. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so a couple of my critiques. Um, you mentioned Dijakovic and Keith Lee as a team. That was actually one of the things I wanted to see more of was them teaming up because they'd been such fierce rivals. I wanted to see some tag team maneuvers of you know between the two of those guys because they're both so big and strong and and maybe they just haven't practiced any of that stuff yet but i felt like it was a missed opportunity for some psychology like the crowd would have gone nuts if they did anything like that you know um and then yeah the table thing uh it's funny you bring it up that was the other thing that i was like i get what they were trying to do they were trying to build tension because they had the tables in that match forever before anyone ever went through a table and i you know it's they're they're trying to kind of make you wonder okay is this going to happen when does it finally happen but i just felt like the tables got in the way of the action a lot of the time i mean even though you have two rings in there and some of the stuff they're doing with the tables just felt really forced and awkward and like it took a long time to get it set up and i i think it did kill a little bit of the momentum that's when when i mentioned how the match slowed down a little bit in the middle a lot of it had to do with that table stuff uh, I did like the crescendo at the end where they basically just put all of Undisputed Era through a table in rapid succession, just bam, bam, bam. But that was a, also a little predictable. It's like, oh, wait, we've had tables in this match, the, the tables in the rings the entire match, and no one's gone through a table yet. Okay, I guess I know what they're closing with. But I don't know. I still, yeah, it was still a great match, but, you know, not perfect, but 
Um, still uh, really, really fun. Next up, we had Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor uh, in what, TL, you were predicting to be the showstopper of the night. Uh, and Finn went over for the win, which we both predicted. We're like, how can you how can you let Finn Balor lose in this match? Uh, overall, um, I'm starting to see what you see in Matt Riddle. I thought it was a very solid, very good match. Not a great match. I just gave it three and a half. Oh, yes. I thought that it was like... Not, I hesitate to say above average, that sounds bad, but it was, it was, I think it was really solid, really good, but needed something else to get to that next level. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really, it's, so it's in a really weird space because, like, this is a, this is a, this is a pay per view. This is a show that is, like, buoyed by two really high pace, intensive matches. So outside of like this match, the triple threat, and then the opener, which was Chase Strickland versus Angel Garcia, like it's in a really weird space because it has to kind of keep that. And like this was my second favorite match of those three regular matches, and the Mm -hmm. my first one was on the pre-show. Like I I thought Angel Garcia and and, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, like I thought that was tremendous. But I'm I'm really high on Isaiah Scott. I think he's really great. But I I I thought this match was really good. I think this is probably Matt Riddle's best match he's had on the main roster uh, mm-hmm. or on on WWE. I thought it was really great, and I think that this Finn is going to be. I think he's going to be a lot better once he figures out what he wants to do with this character. And I. And I bring it to someone we we brought up before, which was Pac. Like when Pac made his original change into kind of when he was an Adrian Neville and became the king of the cruiserweights, like he had to kind of slow his style down. And like I think now we're at a perfect like, okay, this is great. So now if we can get Finn to wrestle a little bit like Prince Devitt, you know, but kind of slowed down, I think we're going to get that really, really sweet spot. And I'm actually really excited to see where he goes. Next, um, I, I agree with you. This match was three and a half. Oh, yes. It was a nice. it was a fun match, but it wasn't anything super great. Yeah, 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 yeah. And final match of the evening, the triple threat match, uh, where the winner went on to face NXT champion Adam Cole the following night at Survivor Series. We had Pete Dunne versus Killian Dane versus Damian Priest. Uh, I predicted that Pete Dunne would win, and so did you. And of course, Pete Dunne did come out the winner. Um, I gave this overall three and a half oh years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I felt like this was just a victim of like, I don't know. It's when you have a big show like War Games, which has these big gimmick matches, um, I don't know, and the you just—it was a very good match, and we knew it would be a good match. One of the things I was surprised in this match, though, is how good they made Damian Priest look. Like he had some big spots that really made him look like a tough guy. And it, you know, I was as I was watching, I just couldn't help but remember what you had told me during the preview show. You're like, you're not really high on Damian Priest, and I'm like, wow. They are making him look really good in this match. They were giving him, they were feeding him some good offensive moments, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I told my friend earlier, David Priest is a little bit better Baird Corbin. Like, if you just, like, if Baird Corbin was just a little bit better, he'd be David Priest. I, I still was not impressed with him in this match. 
Um, it was a very fun match. Um, Killian Dane is great. Um, if you've never watched mm-hmm. him wrestle, he's such a good, good wrestler. Um, Pete Dunne is, again, just like uh, with Rhea Ripley, is just money. He's a he's a young talent that can like, go to the moon. But it was a serviceable triple threat match. Uh, in NXT, they usually do this a lot, especially when they want to get a lot of talent on. Um, their triple threat matches are... They're not formulaic, but they're such a fun, high-paced style. I don't think a lot of companies, when they do triple threat matches, do it as well as they do in NXT. Like, it's very frenetic if you watch it. Um, But to me, it was an okay match. This was two and a half uh, oh yes for me. Ooh, man, wow. It was just a really okay match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing that put it over to three and a half for me is... I think some of those spots with Damian Priest were, they bordered on spectacular. It's like, oh, wow, that's really cool looking stuff. I can see exactly what you mean, though, of like, yeah, he is another version of Baron Corbin, of uh, the tough biker guy. Great. We get another one of those. Uh, bring me American Badass. I'll take that any day over these guys. But uh, yeah, I see, what, I see what you mean. But yeah, you know, it, it was a good match. But uh, the fact that it gave, it gave us Pete Dunne for the next night. All right, well, we'll take it. So, and that has been it for our review of NXT War Games 2019. Yes. Moving on. Before we get to Survivor Series, I want to yes. kind of a breaking news update okay. to our previous segment where we were talking about 302010. So, officially breaking on uh, WWE's real sports show, WWE Backstage. <laughs> Uh, WWE yeah. has signed a multi-year contract with one John Morrison. Saw it is that. Now, Saw that. Yep, it is now official. That is a thing. So, no more conjecture. John Morrison is now part of WWE again. I still love him as Johnny Mundo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I. also, he was in the dog, the wrestling dog movie. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> yeah, because he, he does where he did a stuntman business on the side. Like, that was his thing. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. John Morrison's great. He's a great addition to any roster. Actually, he would have been he would have been perfect in AEW, especially with the style they wrestle. I wonder if this almost feels like a signing where it's like a defensive signing. Like, quit, let's sign this guy so he doesn't go to AEW. I I actually am really glad he didn't go to AEW because my whole theory of AEW just being 2010 Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. would be <laughs> 1 million percent correct if he went there. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right. So moving on to the fall classic Survivor Series. For the first time ever in head-to-head competition, Raw, SmackDown, Monday Night Raw is my show. SmackDown is my yard. NXT is undisputed. All bets are off. SmackDown and NXT. We ain't worried about Raw. No. Who owns the night? WWE Survivor Series pay-per-view. Uh, so again, we did not get to preview these on the preview show, so I'll just read out the results. But we had the team of Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, Robert Roode, uh, winning the cross-branded Battle Royale. Uh, and then in the triple threat match, uh, Leo Rush defeated Akira Tozawa and Kalisto to retain the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. This was a really fun match, by the way. Like, Leo Rush is awesome. It was, but here's my problem. It's the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Like, this whole match, the whole pay-per-view was about 
rat supremacy and everything like that. And it would have been completely fine if they just had a match with these three great cruiserweights. But they put the title on the line. And I was like, it took to me, it took everything out of it because, of course, Leo Rush is going to win. It's the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I think what they're going for is like, oh, what'll happen if someone from another brand wins it? Yeah, you know, it, it's a it's funny that if you think of it, there were basically two NXT matches on or Survivor Series card. If you, if you think of the NXT Championship match as well later right. on tonight, but uh, I digress. <laughs> Starting off, we have the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Viking Raiders versus SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the New Day versus NXT Tag Team Champions, the Undisputed Era. I predicted Undisputed Era would win. Uh, TL, you predicted the New Day would win, and we were both wrong. The Viking Raiders went over Undisputed Era via pinfall after uh, delivering a Viking experience. Um, this was a good way to... I mean, technically we had the other shows as the opener, but on the official show to open it up, I, I ended up at three oh yes with this one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah! yeah, it was a very fun match. Um, I'm always going to love Undisputed Era match. I'm always going to love watching the new day and the Vikings uh, Viking Raiders are really great uh I I went three oh yes as well very fun very fun tag match Bobby Fish gets hurt in the match very upset about that but other than that yeah it was for a pre for a kickoff show match really good yeah 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 Next up, we have the Raw, SmackDown, and NXT teams battle in the Women's Survivor Series Elimination Triple Threat Match, where Team Raw, which was Charlotte Flair, Natalya, Asuka, Kyrie Zane, and Sarah Logan, versus Team SmackDown of Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Nikki Cross, versus, of course, Team NXT, which ended up being led, it was, it was basically Team Rhea Ripley, um, but because of the previous night's kind of drama and fallout it was a completely different team nxt and i will be honest i didn't i didn't know that they could do that <laughs> like, well, like so i thought that they, it had to be the teams from the prior no, no, no. night but then so, they, they just kind of like created their own teams right yeah no so i i guess with reawaiting she got to be the she got to be the captain but again her team was just her and candace array so she actually went on the post show uh from nxt takeover and she added, that's when she added um, Io Shirai, she added Bianca Belair, and she added Tony Storm. Um, yeah. Which it seems like it, both on both NXT teams, they're like, we want to get we want to get also representation for NXT UK. Um, so yeah, it was it was a very different thing, but I, what it's a fine team. It, yeah, it was yeah. a fine team. We, we both predict, so I, I'm sorry, so I predicted Team NXT would get the win you were predicting team raw uh team nxt ultimately ended up going over but i did have the team wrong because as i mentioned i thought it had to be the same exact team um so they basically won when uh io shirai and candice LeRae. i dude okay so early in the match they both went out it kind of seemed out of the blue and it was like well, what happened did they get injured they weren't technically eliminated it was just like random it's like oh they can no longer compete and then later in the match, they came back and helped Rhea Ripley go over and win the match. But that was sort of like the biggest problem I had with the match. I'm like, well, wait, what are they? It just, it didn't, I feel like maybe there was, they missed a cue or something. They didn't show something on camera they were supposed to, but it, it was like, it left me scratching my head. Like, why did they leave and why did they get to come back? And this is really confusing now. 
But Rhea Ripley still looked awesome and amazing in this match. But the whole, again, it was kind of telling a similar story from the previous night of, oh, most of her team has been eliminated now and she's kind of single-handedly having to fight back and win. But yeah, overall, I think because of the confusion stuff, uh, I just, I ended up at three oh yes. I thought this was really good, but not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't care for it. I thought it was a very, very weak Survivor Series match. Um, and what's what sucks is I think there's a lot of women who deserved a lot better. Um, but man, I, I really, it really didn't do a lot for me. Um, this was two oh yes, Matt. Like it was just. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I, it was a very it was a very pedestrian match. Um, I don't like this overbooked um, part of it. I until later, I even I really didn't like the triple threat style of these Survivor Series match. It was very weird, very disorienting. And again, because it's not like NXT in WWE and a triple threat match in WWE, it is it is a lot slower, and it does go on to a lot of one-on-ones and then somebody comes in and almost is like tag-ish so yeah it had a good tag match onto it. it it didn't feel as phonetic i didn't really care for it yeah that's fair up next we have united states champion aj styles versus intercontinental champion shinsuke nakamura versus nxt north american champion roderick strong in a triple threat match i predicted aj styles would win tl you predicted shinsuke Nakamura would win in what you were predicting to be the showstopper of the night in the surprise finish. Roderick Strong wins when AJ lands lands the flying forearm and then he goes for the cover. Roderick threw him out of the ring and steals the pin away in typical Undisputed Era fashion. I love this match. I love all three competitors. I loved Roderick Strong going over and winning and looking really good and hanging with AJ and Shinsuke. I gave this four oh yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I was wrong about I don't think I was wrong about my prediction of the showstopper. This was such a good match. Shinsuke seems so enthused and some of his strikes, like I was watching with couple friends they're just like jesus he's just kicking the shit out of them like for real for real like some of those strikes have been were like very very stiff uh which is great i love stiff shimsuke um fucking Fucking (laughs) roderick strong i have never been a huge roddy fan um i i think he i think a lot of his i think a lot of his matches are like they're fine but like Making the backbreaker your signature move, like, it's a transition move. Like, it's such a weird thing to do. Um, but fucking, he is, ever since he's been in Undisputed Era, he's been doing such a great job. And he just did such a really, really good job in this match. He did such a, like, just playing, like, shitty Roddy was really great. Um, AJ looked really great. I love this match. Uh, this was a four and a half OES for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, next up for the NXT Championship, we have Adam Cole versus the NXT TakeOver War Games Triple Threat winner, Pete Dunne. We had both predicted Adam Cole would win in what I was calling the showstopper. The and we were right. Adam Cole was the winner. 
this to me was my showstopper. So as much as I loved the last match, uh, the spot where Adam Cole kicked Pete Dunne in the face mid moonsault, and then when he did the Panama Sunrise on the apron, I was going ballistic. And this is after he had taken that killer bump the night before. Yeah, so so with Adam Cole picked up the win, he reversed the bitter end to a Panama Sunrise and got and, and then a final cut. Finally got the win and also got four and a half. Oh yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was my Mamma Mia match of the night. Yeah, this match was really, really great. Adam Cole. So I I know a lot of the Fox executives have been very over the moon with Adam Cole during this whole invasion stuff. Why wouldn't you be? Like, it, Matthew, what other wrestler would you build a wrestling organization around? Like, right now? Other than Adam, Adam Cole. Adam Cole has movie star looks. He looks, he reminds me of Shawn Michaels at his prime in terms of, like, he has the look. He has and, the, the, and, and he's good, he's good at cutting promos, and he's good in the ring. The, he's, and he's got the psychology down. Like, like yeah. Literally, the only way he'd be better if he was, like, two inches taller. Like, you, mm. you couldn't, you wouldn't be able to, like, mold a better wrestler if he was too much taller. But, like, I also don't care about that. He's just so great. And then Pete Dunn. There, yep. What can be said about Pete Dunn that hasn't been said before? This guy's 23 years old. The wrestling world is his oyster. Uh, it, tremendous match. These guys were so great. Like you said, that apron, you hollered at the air raid crash from the top of the cage. I I screamed at the freaking Panama Sunrise, like onto the yeah. hardest part of the ring. It's so great, uh, but yep. it did it did get my favorite tweet was like uh, one of the one wrestler tweeted out. It's like, what's the softest part of the ring? And let's just do moves there, uh, which is great. Um, yeah, I I actually every time anyone does anything on the apron, I mark out for it. Do you remember when Kevin Owens? Threw uh, Sami Zayn into the apron. He basically power bombed him onto the apron, like kind of when he first turned on him in NXT. Yeah, like, I am still feeling reverberations of that bump. Like I, it makes me grind my teeth and cringe. Like it hurts just to watch it so it, bad. To, to tell me, like that apron power bomb took out John Cena. Like and John Cena was gone for a while, so it, yep. it is like a move of doom. Um, no, this match was really great. Uh, again, I agree with you. This was my Mamma Mia match of the night. Madam going five. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's five. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Perfect score. Mamma Mia. Yeah, that match was All so right. great. I hate to bring things down a bit, but moving on, we have Universal Champion... The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan in a match where we both predicted The Fiend would go over, um, and he did go over with a mandible claw pin uh, on Daniel Bryan. All right, so I had some major issues with this match. Um, First up, enough with the red. If we're going to do the red thing on every Fiend pay-per-view match, I am just... that's gonna be my bathroom break match i it gives me headaches it reminds me of the virtual boy um i'm not no i think it's stupid i think it's gimmicky 
I feel like Bray Wyatt must be the one that pushes this stuff because even when he was just Bray Wyatt, he was always doing the weird lighting stuff in the ring. It's like, oh, let's flash some maggots on the on the ring, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, stop. Just let your wrestling stand on its own. The other major problem I had with this, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but I know people are huge over for The Fiend and they're marking out and they love it and they love that stupid new belt. If every Fiend match is just going to be him no-selling everyone's moves the entire time, then what are we even doing? Why Why is this even professional wrestling at this point? All right? Um, even Hulk Hogan, you know, that, that was kind of one of the few moves he had in his repertoire was the no-sell. He knew when to do it, and he knew that you did it sparingly, and you did it to win over a crowd at a key moment of the match. But if the whole match is just no-selling... So, so, okay, I'll compare a guy that I know Bray Wyatt is trying to emulate in a bit. The Undertaker would occasionally no sell but for the most part the undertaker wouldn't let you get your offense in and that was his aura and his mystique he wasn't a no sell machine though that feels cheap to me and i'm tired of it and i only gave this match two oh yes i was bored out of my mind and i think it's stupid and i think i don't know why people are so over for the fiend yeah yeah i agree with you that but i i'm one of the way more negative I think the Firefly Funhouse stuff is great. I think there's something there with Bray Wyatt. I'm just going to say it. I think all this occult shit that he's doing fucking sucks. Um, I, as as positive as I was for this idea of the feed, it doesn't work. It's never going to work in a wrestling ring. It is the most unbelievable bullshit ever. This hit, As a character, the feed, we all what he was talking about this. There's no one he should ever lose to. There, there, he literally can't lose unless you shoot him in the ring. Like it, he, it, it's it sucks. And for him, not to, for Dale Bryan not to get a good match out of the Fiend. I don't know what you do, Matt. This was this was a zero to me. I hate it. Ooh. I hate every second of it. I hate. Him coming, I, he has a cool entrance, and that landing's really cool. But that fucking fifteen fifteen hundred dollar Tom Savini belt can go right in the trash where it deserves because it looks it looks shitty. What yeah, a it's rubber. It's clearly a rubber belt. It's, it looks dumb. What what fucking you put him on Fox, the sports channel, like to promote. No, it, it fucking sucks. I hate it. I hate the feed. Just scrap it. Just scrap it and let him go back to Bray Wyatt. You're going to turn him face before he got hurt. Turn him face or whatever. But this feed experiment, it fucking sucks. And they're going to do it again. And I don't know why. Oh, it's over. That's what's weird is I feel like we are contrarians on this because I feel like people like it. I'm, I'm not saying end the fiend. I'm just saying... The Fiend can't just be no-selling matches the entire time. There needs... Even, like, people who did no-sell back in the day, once you figured out their weakness, you would then capitalize on that weakness. Like, it's the, like when um, Jake the Snake had the feud with Andre the Giant and learned that Andre was afraid of snakes, right? It's like you have to do something to make the monster not indestructible. And I think it's it's boring otherwise. And I also think, like you said, with the occult stuff, Bray Wyatt risks becoming like a Kevin Sullivan Taskmaster character if he pushes this too far, where no one believes it and it's just a stupid joke. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I, mean, I how's it? How's it not that now? Like, I'm not even yeah. being funny. Like, how's it not that now? Like, he, it, 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 it's just it, it's, it's counterintuitive and it's not fun to watch. And like, not to bring up AEW, but when AEW does stuff like that's kind of different. Like, it feels different, right? Like, it, it's just. I don't know, man. Like, it's lame. Maybe I'm just, like, over a cult in wrestling because I also think the Dark Order shit is, like, corny as fuck. Oh, it's, but, but that stuff's stupid. Yeah. Well, okay, I have an idea. Okay, what if you made him eat worms and do a voodoo persona? Still fucking like the Like the Boogeyman? <laughs> like the Boogeyman. I, I never, I was saying, I never liked the Boogeyman. Like I said, again, it might just be me. I just maybe don't like a cult bullshit. Like, that could be it. Or, okay, 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 here's one. What if you give him a black top hat and call him Papa Shango? Yep, hated that too. Yeah. <laughs> and that was racist, by the way. Yes. Such bullshit. It was yeah, uh, I'm so glad that I'm not alone in this, and I just, I'm annoyed by the fiend. And when I see people like marking out and going nuts over it, I'm like, no, this is stupid. Yeah. Again, All right. cool entrance. Stop me if you heard me say this about heard people say this about Bray Wyatt before. Cool entrance can give a shit when he's wrestling. That's the Bray Wyatt story. That's the fucking uh, Bray Wyatt. But also, story. even I feel like people talk about how good he is on the mic and how great. And to me, he sounds like man. I didn't mean to get this negative. All right, he sounds like the drama kid from high school who thinks that he's being scary like he basically is copying the cape fear character and well, thinks he's being edgy and scary but is really just spouting nonsense and everyone just ignores it like yeah just ignore that weird kid it'll go away eventually like so that's bray wyatt that's the thing that fucking sucks about this so his original like nxt fcw promos they were so great like it wasn't like i really hate and they brought the sister abigail thing to it i really hate all that because it's like it, it tries to make like this like weird occult thing like the difference was when he was doing like the Jim Jones Cape Fear thing like it made a lot better like when he was like basically preaching to people in like the woods like it, that was gripping because it's the Jake Roberts thing it's like okay what's what's up with this guy why is he a little bit off but other than I'm actually an occult full clean. like you you could never replicate the undertaker you can't under you he was the perfect guy at the perfect time you can't replicate it in 2019 yeah well at the time too remember his character he was emulating kind of remember true detective season one was really big on hbo back right. when the wyatt family kind of debuted that's they were going for a lot of that i think plus like you said that cape fear character and and yeah that that was cool it's like oh almost a little bit like hannibal lecter like this guy has the ability to get inside people's minds and make them do things they don't want to do and be careful because he could also turn you. Like, that I get. But when he just starts spouting bullshit about the Eater of Worlds, I just roll my eyes and tune out, and I'm like, all right, we're, we're done, Edgelord. Get get yeah, out of here. He, he's literally, our, he's like a member of our cult. That's what he is. That's literally what he <laughs> fucking is. Ugh. Next match. Yep. Next. Yeah, next Raw, SmackDown, and NXT teams battle in the Men's Survivor Series Elimination Triple Threat Match with Team Raw of Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, and Ricochet. And what I love here 
is that Kevin Owens, because he had competed the prior night for Team NXT, they were questioning his loyalties going into this match. And I love that dynamic they set up. Uh, versus Team SmackDown, Roman Reigns, Ali, Mustafa Ali, uh, Braun Strowman, King Corbin, and Shorty G versus Team NXT. Uh, Which and- that was Donovan was It wasn't Dijavoli. It was Matt no. Riddle, uh, yes. uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, and... Yes. Damian Priest and Walter. Yes, and so that's that's. Remember, I was talking earlier about like, yeah, it was weird that the the NXT women's team they got to kind of choose their team. Same exact thing happened here. I get that Kevin Owens can't be on your team, but they replaced a couple people. They added Matt Riddle to the mix, got rid of Dominic Dijakovic, which eliminated that dynamic of like seeing Dijakovic and Lee together again, which I loved. Um, I still I still liked the team, and again, remember I was telling you. Um, Damian Priest, they were making him look really strong in that previous match. And so I think it did, you know, there was a push going on that weekend, definitely for Damian Priest. I had predicted Team Raw would come out of this thing as the winners. You had predicted Team SmackDown, which didn't happen, TL, uh, and which we'll get to why. So here's how the match went down. Uh, Ricochet, Shorty G, and Ali, I I was just kind of making some notes as I watched this. They all look so small compared to the other guys. It was like, it was so like, oh, look at these guys. Um, So right off the match, Walter is over as fuck. Walter Chance filling the arena. And then he's the first to get eliminated. Yeah. What? What are you? What are you doing? It's it's not understanding. I I don't know if well what I don't think Vince watches NXT UK. I don't think he knows like what he has in Walter. Walter, like he just looks like a fucking brick shit house, and he's huge, and he has a really dope theme song because it's this classical music, and he feels like. It it, it it definitely feels very um, like fascist, like right, like he has like a, a analogy around him, but it just feels authoritarian, which is the history of American wrestling. Like it's Fritz von Erich, it's literally what wrestling in America was kind of built off of, and people and he's really great, and people want to see him wrestle, and you fucking job him out to Drew McIntyre. It's so weird to me. It's so who, weird. Who, who? Okay, I'm not going to knock Drew McIntyre because I'm actually high on McIntyre. I think McIntyre's got a killer look. But yeah, to, to make him go out first, I think that was a huge mistake. I think eventually seeing a good feud between Shorty G and Ricochet would be amazing and something I am looking forward to. Uh, NXT, this whole match was extremely over. Like anytime an NXT guy was in the ring. Most so yeah, NXT we had, guys. One hmm. person, Damian Priest, was not over Agreed. Uh, so yeah, we had Kevin Owens. He, he eliminated Shorty G with a frog splash. Uh, Chiampa eliminated Owens with a widow's bell. Uh, Orton and Chiampa kind of size each other up at one point, which I loved because, you know, these are the guys. You have Blackheart versus the Viper. <laughs> loved that moment. But then, yeah, the fact that then Chiampa got eliminated, that's no good. Uh, and then, yeah, we were talking about why Team SmackDown didn't go over. So the whole match, King Corbin is yelling at his teammates. No one likes him. He doesn't like anyone. It's very obvious. He's yelling at him, bossing him around. What are you doing? This kind of thing. To the point where Roman eventually turned on the dude. That was after Corbin goes and enables uh, Mustafa Ali, who was getting a really great pop because they were in Chicago, yes. his hometown. Uh, and 
kind of set Mustafa Ali to get hit with the curb stop by by uh, Seth Rollins. Yeah, yeah. He, he basically, yeah, he messed with his team, and then he was trying. You know, Roman was the team captain, and then he took exception to the fact that King Corbin was sort of bossing people around, interfering, getting in the way. So then he ultimately, as the captain, turned on him and gets King Corbin eliminated, which I love. So then it came down to Roman Reigns of Team SmackDown versus who? Keith. Bask in his glory, oh. the limitless one, Keith Lee. Oh. Keith Lee got the biggest push this weekend, deservedly so. And... He lost. Team SmackDown ultimately did win, as you predicted, TL. You called it. You don't mess with the big dog. But Keith Lee looked amazing at the end there, and he is the face of NXT right now. I'll call it. I'm gonna say, I know Adam Cole is amazing, but Keith Lee is... I think Adam Cole is probably going to make his jump to some main roster soon, or maybe. Um, and, if, and when he does, Keith Lee will be right there. To step up because he is uh, okay. If Adam Cole is the current face of NXT, Keith Lee is the future of NXT. How's that? I'm gonna go one step better. Keith Lee would wear Rumble. Yeah. Keith Lee, from all the reports that's coming out, is that Vince is huge on Keith Lee. And why wouldn't you be? If you have eyeballs, you should be huge on Keith Lee. Keith Lee is money, and you have to give him a run. I. Yep. Here's what I would do. I would have Keith Lee win the Royal Rumble. I'd have Keith Lee over Brock Lesnar. It's believable. It's a big dude. It's something that Brock hasn't been able to do. Like it, it is a big dude who can who can do anything that anybody on the roster can do. Um, it was great. I thought it was really odd that Seth Rollins. Well, not odd. It makes sense that Seth Rollins is getting like basically the Roman Reigns treatment, like from a couple years ago. Uh, but it was a great, it was a great, great, great uh, showing between those guys. Big props to Roman Reigns for understanding the moment and allowing Keith to shine. This did not yeah. feel like a John Cena, I'm just better than you job, which is not on Cena. It's like how they book him. But big props to let to let Keith Lee shine. Like that dude is coming. That dude is going to be the guy. I don't yep. think he. Agreed. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's in NXT too long. I think he was the Rumble. Honestly, nice. Yeah. Overall, uh, I gave this one. So okay, uh, that it had some great moments, but because of some of the players involved, and I'm sorry, just the Corbin factor alone, you're going to take me down at least a, an oh yeah. So I came in finally at four oh yeahs on this match. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, the Keith Lee Roman Reigns stuff, I want to give that 7 0 yes. Please give me that match <laughs> like tomorrow. I need them to fight tomorrow. Uh, other than that, a lot of the foolishness I, I could do without. This was definitely a 4 0 yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Nice. All right, up next, we had WWE champion Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio in a no-holds-barred, no-DQ match. Uh, I predicted Brock would win this one. TL, you predicted Rey would finally get his due. Um, and ultimately, Brock went over after an assist from Rey's son, Dominic, kind of did the run-in. Rey, uh, okay, so I liked a lot of the psychology of this match in terms of Brock being the unstoppable, unbeatable monster. It's a David Goliath match. And when Brock was taunting Ray 
and kicked him the pipe. Like, all right, go ahead and use this pipe uh, against me because it won't matter. I'm still going to beat you. I like little stuff like that. Um, you know, Ray's son coming in, cool, nice little family moment there. I guess they, you know, they had that one moment where kind of Ray set up uh, and Donovan to do the five the, the frog splash. Uh, but overall, it was a very short match. Uh, not a lot to really call out. It was just okay. I, I came in at two and a half. Oh yes, it was. It, was, it is. It was what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I always take these Brock matches at Survivor Series as more of a spectacle and a showcase match. And for some reason, he always gets up for it. I don't know if he just loves wrestling smaller guys, but his match with AJ was really good. His match with Finn was really good. His match with um, Seth was really... Not Seth, but um, uh, Dave Bryant was really good, right? Like, he does, like, these really fun matches around Survivor Series. This was a really a lot of a very fun match. I love the Dominic assist. I love seeing Dominic do the six one nine. I love seeing Dominic do the frog splash. Like it was a really cool moment. Uh, but yeah. Brock went over. I don't know why you still have Brock go over. Like I said, unless you do something like Keith Lee winning at Royal Rumble and then fighting Brock. Uh, but yeah, this was. I'd give it three. Oh yes, it was fun. I I enjoyed myself mm. watching that match. Yeah. 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 Yeah, overall, I was a little disappointed. I, I was hoping for a Goldberg uh, run in to, to kind of interfere. And, of course, it's a no-DQ match, uh, so that could have put Ray over. But we did not get that. Um, in fact, we didn't really get a surprise this whole show. But, yeah, you know, I, I feel like this mismatch was fine, but it could have been better. could have been a lot worse. All right, final match of the evening. We had the Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch versus SmackDown Women's Champion Bayley versus NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler. Uh, I predicted Bayley would go over in a sneaky heel-like manner after Becky and Shayla were, Shayna were fighting it out. TL, you predicted Shayna, uh, and you were correct, sir. Shayna won with a Kirifuna clutch on Bayley. Then Becky kind of attacked her after the match so that ultimately Becky came out looking good. She put Shayna through the announce table. <sighs> All right. This match left, I think, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth for the pay-per-view. It was, to put it in a word, boring? <laughs> I hate to say, you know, for, for a main event to close out your show, and a show that only had a few a few good highlights, you know, I, for me, if I look at this, my overall rating so far, you know, I had, I had one killer match and one pretty good match. Um, yeah, I was very disappointed in this, and I think... This is where I'm going to get controversial, and I think people are going to hate me. Um, I think the reason it wasn't great is Bailey. I think Bailey is overrated. I think she dragged down this match. I think this match would have been fine and fire if it was just Becky versus Shayna. But yeah, I just didn't do it for me. I came out total with two oh yes. Uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna have the Bailey character go heel and go edgy and then not do anything with it, what was the point? Yeah, Ooh, yeah. I disagree with the Bailey with the Bailey point. However, I do agree this was a very boring match, but I believe it's in how this match is booked and and done. Um, again, the triple threats in in WWE don't work as well because they are very slow in plotting and not phonetic. If this was on NXT. Matt, this would be a, a match of the year candidate. 
I've seen Bailey have great matches in NXT. I think the thing that hurts her in the main roster is they ask her to go slower. And I don't think that works. I think that kind of wrestler, and the same thing with Sasha Banks, to be honest, because uh, I've never been a fan of Sasha in the main roster. But I don't think those guys work at a slower RPM. I think they have to work faster. Like, I think Sasha and Bailey, honestly, would be perfect for AEW with how they wrestle. A lot more of like a, a speedball S type. And I think that works. Um, Shayna did not look great in this match either. I'm very, very afraid to see her go to that next roster, go up to the, to the main roster. Sometimes, like, people's styles don't fit for that. I really wish this match was better. I didn't hate it as much as you did. Uh, it was a 2.5 for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I just think that this experiment, I'm going to say this. That's going to be controversial. I think the Becky champion experience has been lackluster. I don't think um, she, I don't think. I would I, agree with you. Yeah, I, I said, agree outside of the Ronda win what what has she done what has she what well, marquee thing if you has think she of done? if you think of the how on fire <clears throat> she was with the bloody nose moment from a year over a year ago now and how if this was stone cold Steve Austin and you're t- talking the blood from a stone moment in that match with Brett hit the hitman heart you know the I quit match where he passed out in the ring and then that's what propelled him and skyrocketed him and he ran with it and had several memorable moments after that i don't think becky has had many memorable moments after that after that moment i don't don't think that she's been booked properly i don't know if it's the feuds i don't know if it's just like i I, it's not a ring work i think becky out of all the women in the division i actually like becky the best in the ring i think i think she's the most well-rounded competitor but yeah i agree with you her title reign has just been like meh and a lot of that again it's back to booking it's it's you got to give faces heels and in the right heels to fight against and has i don't feel like they've really been fair and done that with becky you know yeah. with like a killer heel that it's like oh my god how's becky gonna gonna win this one or someone she's had to chase you know what i mean that that's the thing she there is no one she's chased realistically what they should have done when they brought sasha back and repackaged her you should have put the belt on her you, you should have put the belt on sasha right then and there Give Becky someone to chase. Give her somebody that she's like, I have to be up to this level. Because, quite honestly, the money is in the chase. It's it's booking 101. A yep. dominant face is not interesting. It is the rogues gallery. Like, Austin, people don't realize, like, Austin would win the belt and then lose it. And then would chase again. The money's in the chase. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's that's where it's always been in wrestling. It's the reason why Ric Flair has a title so many times and Dusty Rhodes didn't have the title as long. It's because you wanted to see Dusty beat Rick, but then Rick would get it back. So now Dusty has to do it again. You don't turn on the show to see freaking Batman go visit his villains in jail and say, oh, you, you're in jail because I caught you. Good thing that you're still in jail. No, it's, hey, they're out. We need to go catch them again. Yeah, so overall, I'd say if you'd look at the weekend as as a whole, I just uh, I, I definitely preferred 
War Games. War Games versus Survivor Series. I was just kind of looking up my record. I, I went four and four in Survivor Series, but for War Games, I went three and one. So overall, I was seven and five on my predictions. Uh, where did you net out, TL? Uh, let's see. I was uh, four of eight, and then I was three of one in the. NXT because okay yeah. so you had the same record as me we, we both went seven and five for the weekend yeah pretty good pretty good if I do say so the cream of the crop nobody does it better that is it for our reviews of NXT takeover war games and Survivor Series now we were moving on to a little segment where we count down the top three things in the world of professional wrestling in a segment we like <coughs> to call the three count we like the backstreet boys in We're going to start with our number threes, TL. Our number three hottest thing in professional wrestling. I'm going to go ahead with an AEW moment. Uh, an AEW pairing, if you will. So, you know, during Full Gear, we saw MJF turn on his best friend, Cody Rhodes. The long-awaited turn, which I thought happened a little sooner than I thought it would. I thought they were going to go slow burn booking on that, but fine. But it produced one of the best pairings. It was so reminiscent of when this same other person paired with Kevin Owens. But I love MJF and Chris Jericho bonding and being besties over hating Cody Rhodes. I think it's beautiful. I loved it. It's definitely a very fun pairing. I've called in the past MJF Dollar Store Miz. And after talking and meeting with wrestlers... I would like to take that back. MG, MJF is doing something very basic, but he's really good at it. And yeah, so they were fun. It was a great thing. A Hoobitoot Guerrero, hey, a Hoobitoot Guerrero uh, reference in 2019. I'm here for it. Like, it was great. <laughs> what was your number three? My number three, CM Punk's back. In talking sort for, of. Uh, so, but... <laughs> Here's the thing, quite honestly, this is what I want. I I know a lot of people are very like stoked to have CM Punk like wrestle. One, if he's not, if he doesn't want to wrestle, I'd rather him not go into a ring and wrestle. And two, he, the the thing about CM Punk that was so great wasn't that he was like a great wrestler. There's a lot more wrestlers I like to watch more than CM Punk. But he has such a great wrestling mind. And as we talked about earlier with the Jim Cornette stuff, like I love wrestling minds. So I love CM Punk like as a wrestler commentator. Like it's so great. It's one of the things I love about like we have that like we're sports fans. Like I love about ESPN's get up show. It's like it's a lot of former football, like a lot of former like football players that can talk about it and are able just to have fun and talk about the thing. So I loved I love CM Punk being on, on backstage. And if you're not watching WWE backstage, quite honestly, you're missing one of the most ingenious WWE shows that they have going on right now. Yeah, I think the most surprising thing to me with this is that I kind of had thought, I thought CM Punk had written off professional wrestling. CM Punk is a guy, it, if those a lot of the documentaries that WWE produced are to be believed, 
he kind of he like has um things that he obsesses over and he super gets into them until the point where he's like really good at them and then he sort of moves on and so i thought he had become bored with professional wrestling and so the fact that he's back and using that wrestling mind um because yeah he's got a nose for the business obviously and uh yeah it's really cool to see him on television however we can you know like hey i'd i would love to see him back in the ring if if that's something he wants to do but like you i'll just take him in whatever form i get him and yeah him being part of backstage is super cool yeah all right our number two and my number two and my number one are related so (laughs) normally this person would be my number one but so i'm gonna say my number two right now is adam cole we talked earlier in the show about why Adam Cole is money. He is the franchise. He is... uh, Fox execs love him, and you can see why. Uh, The dude deserves everything he's getting. Every time he's on screen, it's compelling. I want to see what he says. I want to see what he does. He would normally be my number one, except for one man. The Limitless One. Bask in his glory, TL. Keith Lee won over... This is giving <laughs> I understand that Keith Lee has been featured in the three count before, but I think we can all agree that after Survivor Series, Keith Lee, his stock is up. The man is on the rise. He, there is no stopping this this man. Uh, Keith Lee is here, y'all. He has arrived, and like it or not, you just better bask in his glory because there's he is inevitable. Keith Lee, my number one. Adam Cole, my number two, baby. Uh, I don't disagree with either of those. Uh, wow, you just put me in a spot because okay, all right, well, whatever. Uh, my number two is David Starr. So David Starr is an independent wrestler um, who is a wrestler who's been very hard fighting very well, uh, very hard to unionize uh, professional wrestling. Um, he is an extreme leftist, not extreme leftist. He's a leftist, so. Which is very rare in wrestling parlance, and there's usually bad guys, right? Uh, but David Starr is really great. He's a tremendous pro wrestler. Um, he wrestled um, Jay Lethal in Tel Aviv, uh, Israel, a couple of years ago, uh, which was a tremendous match. But David Starr is really great. Um, he watched Mimbola, uh, Battle of Los Angeles, which is PWG's yearly like tournament that they do. He does a really, just a really good job. David Starr is money, and you should check him out. And my nice. number, my number one. I wish we would have done a show for this pay per view. <laughs> AEW Full Gear. Yeah. To me, it won you over. It was the best pay per view I've seen this year. I love. Wow. I Wait loved, a minute. I don't. Again, this is non takeover category. Okay, I was gonna say count. better yeah. than all the takeovers. Take Come over, on. Takeovers Come on. do not count. But for a a, a, a regular pay per view, it was tremendous. I loved every match on there except for Sean Spears versus Joey Janela, and that's more of a Sean Spears problem. But we'll get we'll get past that. But everything was mm. really great. I thought the story in Cody versus Chris Jericho was great. Um, apparently, it's controversial, but I understand. I loved the garbage match, and it's. We, I think we've talked about you either love those matches or you don't. You know, like I'm not a death match fan, right? And the thing was, it's not like it wasn't a death match, death match. Like it, 
for a deathmatch. It was very tame. Like I think the the most dangerous thing would have been the 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 spike the spike bed that they did the plunge on, but everything else was kind of a lot. You know, it was a lot safer than most death matches. Like you had the sugar glass. Yeah. Um, I think the, the yeah, only there, stupid... there were no explosions. I'll give you that. Yeah, there, the... there was not not a ton of use of fire. Yeah, so... the only stupid thing was the board with the mouse traps on it. That was the only really stupid thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I love the story they've been told with Cody Rhodes, like how he can't get over Kota Ibushi. I oh, not Cody Rhodes, but um, Kenny Omega, how he can't get over Kota Ibushi, and I love, 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 love that. It's I have said this this company will get me over when they start telling stories, and Matt they have been, and I love that. And it's been they have they've been doing a good they job have with it. Do you think they will? Because you know they kind of originated from a partnership with New Japan. Do you think that AEW would potentially partner with New Japan on a crossover show, or maybe if not that? go on a Japan tour? Because I feel like the type of wrestling they do would work really well in Japan. Well, so, the Japan stuff they've been doing, because they haven't been doing it with um, with New Japan. They've been doing stuff with DDT. I don't know. I know a lot of people who run the parent company for New Japan, Bushi Road, are very upset about how this AEW thing happened to the point where there was a conversation about uh, Kenny Omega's um, visa being his work visa in Japan being screwed over because of that. However, Chris Jericho is wrestling on the January show against um, Ace Tanahashi. Uh, yeah, so uh, Chris Jericho is working on the January January uh, fourth show against Tanahashi. <clears throat> so I'm I'm very interested to see how that will like kind of how that kind of gets promoted and, and done through. I don't know. I really don't know because it just seems, it seems kind of uh, very different. You know, I, I'm not really sure what's going to happen with that. It could kind of be cool. I could see how they need each other. All right. Well, that's been it for the three count. We like the Backstreet Boys in sync too. Britney Spears is kind of cute. We watch As we like to do, we like to close out this show with the main event. This is where we give you, the listeners, a little bit of homework, a little bit of something uh, where we pick out a classic match that is worth your time and worth watching. Uh, It usually relates to something we talked about earlier on the show. So TL, tell us about your pick. What match is it that we absolutely need to, once we're done listening to the show, mind you, but what, what do we need to go watch? So... The Fiend versus Day of Ride was supposed to be a match of Day of Ride versus this unstoppable beast and how he would handle it. And it wasn't great. So I thought, what would be a match that would be Day of Ride versus Unstoppable Beast? And I will give you Brian Danielson versus Takeshi Morishima at Death Before Dishonor um, in Ring of Honor. This is a match where Day of Ryan had to wrestle a match after getting his uh, getting the retina detached in his eye by Morishima. Morishima goes and he clubs him in the face and he detaches Day of Brian's retina 
and he basically wrestles the match blind, and it's so good. It is the classic monster heel versus the smaller baby face, and Morishima is like Keith Lee, like he's like this big, thick Japanese dude that is like just huge. It just looks like a huge dude. Like, oh, it's such a great match. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of like two or like a mid two thousands uh, Ring of Honor, but this match was so so great. Well, it's nice to see Ring of Honor when it's still Ring of Honor and not whatever it is we have now. <laughs> All right, for me, I'm gonna go way back. I'm gonna go classic. I'm gonna go. We've been talking about War Games. Talking about the War Games. That's exciting. And I want to talk about the origin, the original. War Games, 1987, War Games at the Great American Bash, which pits the Road Warriors and Nikita Koloff with Dusty Rhodes and Paul Ellering versus the Four Horsemen. The War Games have begun, Daddy! I mean, talk about so many great wrestlers in a match. Talk about the first of its kind. This match, I double-checked, is available on WWE Network for you to watch. So most of you, I'm guessing, are subscribers to the network. So go check that out just to see. You got the Road Warriors in their prime. You got Dusty, you know, uh, maybe not in his prime, but this is still really good Dusty. You got Paul Ellering in here. And then, of course, the Four Horsemen. Uh, you can't go wrong with this matchup. And, um, yeah, this is really where they they, they established what War Games is and how insane and intense those matches can get. It's definitely worth your time. Obviously, 1987, things move a little slower there. The high spots, let's say, aren't as high. Um, but if you're a fan of psychology and storytelling, which I think is the most important part of a match, uh, you got storytelling in spades. So 1987 War Games match at the Great American Bash is my main event match. War Games! TL. Whew, this has been a long one. We are done. Let's go out with some plugs. Where can folks find you? Sure. Uh, I run a podcast network. Uh, it's over at pnb.com. Patreon.com slash pnb. Uh, we just recently did a relaunch, and we're going to be launching a lot of stuff between this month and this December, and then going into January with a lot of new brand new stuff. So, yes. Patreon.com slash PNB. And Matthew, go ahead and tell them where we can get the money. The money's on. Money's on us. Well, yeah. And, and of course, if you want to hear the preview episode we were teasing earlier, uh, go to Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Uh, at the $5 or more level, you will get access to that, which is available exclusively to patrons. Um, if you like hearing our thoughts on wrestling and want more, please follow us on the Twitter at cheap podcast um and why not you know what tell a friend about this show if you if you like what we've been doing if you like our takes uh on wrestling please you know the only way that more people are going to listen to the show is if you tell a friend and then of course you can hear me every friday on video game apocalypse the laser time network's dedicated video game show uh other than our other dedicated video game show which is all about arcade games which is paudukan i'll go ahead and give those dudes a free plug they've been doing some amazing stuff with fighting games um and i've just loved listening to that show uh, that show airs every other week and of course vga is every friday follow us again on twitter at cheap podcast follow me at Maddie C. Allen. This has been 
the best damn wrestling podcast there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. Oh yeah, the Macho King says dig it, yeah. Royal Rumble's next, yeah. I did it for The Rock. I did it for The Rock.